0: Do yeah, you know what we You know, we do this show naked by the way, in unstained tidy wireless. You know that, right? Are you gonna do that? Uh, I'm
1: I'm not gonna do that.
0: Oh, come on, man, it'll be fun. No, fine. Well, can't at least wear shelf life clothing t shirt, you know, the gambling vampire one. Maybe as you, you like gambling and vampires and lam i mean you can find them if you don't have one you can find them at shelflifeclothing.com and that is a very special place special store because it's run by our intro outro extraordinaire brian kirby so you can get your retro movie t-shirts there gambling vampire one it's retro you can get your hoodies there your jackets there when it gets cold and your skate decks if you're into skateboarding and polos and t-shirts for the ladies now with gambling vampire artwork on them, it's so sweet. Shelflifeclothing.com, at least, at least where that's due. Fuck's sake.
2: It's this week in Sleaze with your hosts, King Who and Sleazy K. This podcast has been rated Category 3. No one under 18 may be permitted.
0: So we were going to have Stu on the show. Our good friend Stu, the master of the podcast on Fire Network. But he's unfortunately not. And we we're going to talk about how he's educated his little nephew. His little cute <laughs> nephew that he's, uh, he puts on Facebook all the time. And therefore, little little kids need to have positive influences on uh, in their lives. And uh, one that should have positive influences on young lives and old lives. It's Charlie Cho. And of course I have King here to tell you why uh, why Charlie's a good influence. So go King. Uh ah, the virtues of Charlie Cho, it's it's the power of the tidy
3: whiteys. The Tidy Whiteys are they're like his Superman outfit. You know, you always have you need a positive role model. Superman was a positive role model, so Super Cho and his Tidy Whiteys. That's uh it's, it's a great image for the for the young folk. Um you want to grow up and be a, a disgusting, perverted old man, it's it's something to strive
0: for in life. <laughs> you never know how lives turn out. You know, not at all, not at all. From an early age. You might be, you might be that, you might be this or you might be that. <laughs> so that Ch- Charlie is a great role model. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. A message <laughs> traveling all the way to Scotland and globally now, so. Uh, man, he looks older. So the trailer for Punished.
3: Yeah, he looks a little more distinguished. He's
0: graying on the sides. Uh, he yeah. he looked—he didn't look perverted. He looked uh, like a—he's hey, in a Milky Way production now. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Joint Toe production. You can't like, okay, you have a blow-up doll with you, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, though no, he looks great actually. Uh, he, we
3: have the same kind of glasses now. I'm—I'm I'm kind of psyched. Those—those those black frames, you know,
0: thick black frames. I—I kind of dug it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're gonna go to that um, screening of Punished. Uh, yeah yeah so I think it's uh yeah soon
3: next next Saturday, as of this recording yeah yeah so uh, I'll, and, I'll
0: be uh, why uh, why is why is there a screening that you can go to
3: <laughs> It is the New York Asian Film Festival, the yearly festival run by the uh guys at subway cinema. they put on a great great film festival it 's at lincoln center it 's their second year, at
0: Lincoln Center. And, uh, oh, it's uh, and it's the annual stalking, stalking for you.
3: Yeah, this year might not be uh, too many, too many uh, people to stalk. Last year was Simon Yam, that poor guy. Uh, this year, Choi Hawks gonna be there. Ooh. So, yeah, so I should give him a <laughs> a few times. Yeah, going to me. yank on his goatee. <laughs> Run, uh, run! 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 Uh, <laughs> Runway!
0: Run! What? Yes.
3: <laughs> Unfortunately, Way can't make it this year, so I'm—I uh, don't know how many pictures I'll be able to take, you know, with me and and a famous person. But hopefully, I'll get some
0: some good uh some good shots. But uh, uh, yeah, they, I, they have a sweet program on this year—a retro program, it's seems. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. they're doing
3: you know, a lot of uh, swordplay. You know, Woosia, The uh, uh, the playing Dragon Inn, the the later Dragon Inn, the 1992 version, Raymond Lee Dragon Inn. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're playing Zoo Warriors, which unfortunately oh. yeah, I'm gonna fucking miss. It's gonna it's oh, pissing me off, shame. man. Yeah, it's gutting me. The it's night it's before, a late, uh, the... it's a late screening. where you can't make it that day. It's a, it's an early screening, but the night before they're having a midnight showing of the story of Ricky. Oh yeah. So I'm going to and to to you know after that lets out and by the time I get home it's gonna be like six o'clock seven o'clock in the fucking morning. You know, I can't turn around and go to a one o'clock screening of, you know, Zoo Warriors. It's just, it's impossible. Mm. You know, unless I got a hotel room in the city and that's expensive. Yeah,
2: got so, to save. so Yeah,
0: save. exactly. Which exactly. you wouldn't think <laughs> when that, this, motherfucker, this motherfucker buys 500 laser discs <laughs> in one go. What I the know. hell is wrong with you, man?
3: But I love oh, it's, you. It's a, it's a sickness. It's an illness. You know, you can't pass it up. You know, and you, you fight your, you know, yourself. You know, like, should I do it? Should I not do it? And you just have to go for it, you know, and she's cool with it. She's cool with it, you know, until, until we start living together and we get married and then she, I'm sure she won't be cool with it, you know. And she but, starts uh...
0: missing having a floor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this show is very shiny.
3: shiny. Yeah, I have, I, have, I have nowhere to put this, this crap. I have boxes <laughs> upon boxes just stacked in my, in my current living room. I don't know, it's, it's
0: really but, encroaching
3: but... my space. I have nowhere to put this stuff.
0: But having said that, considering the titles that were in that uh, pile of no uh, laser disc covers, is uh, so much fun. unearthing that, and you've been doing that on your blog, which you can plug first. Okay, my uh, my blog.
3: I almost forgot I had a blog. <laughs> Jeez, it's uh, a <laughs> it's in the mood for guilo.com. Uh, blogspot.com. That's my blog. Bullets over Chinatown. I've been throwing up. Uh, well, throwing up It sounds pretty gross. But uh, <laughs> I've been putting up uh, just pictures of the laser discs. Unfortunately, they have no sleeves, which is you know kind of the cool part about collecting laser discs. You get that cool artwork, but these were all sleeveless uh, discs. So, uh i've just been showing the labels you know the cool labels yeah. <laughs> on the uh, on the blog this past uh two weeks three weeks or so i still have another post or two to put up and uh, then we'll hopefully get into the new york asian film festival stuff
0: ah it's uh look like uh, so much fun like uh, everything titled sex or girl or erotic yeah and, yeah or, it's like it's or like or being, uh, grammatically incorrect you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. You watch this 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 doesn't make sense at all
3: no, like going through them, it's like Christmas morning, you know. Like a, you're like
0: a kid, you don't want it to end,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know. And and when it's when it's over, it's like ah, oh, I want more, I want more. <laughs> well, You're that kind of guy that uh, apparently never will run out of um, uh, because you bought bought so much, but apparently you won't run out of uh, shady sources of uh, sh- shady sources of laser discs. Uh, apparently no, that's an no. adventure in itself. That's yeah, you, it is. It is. Uh, on your blog, yeah. <laughs> when you pick up porn in the big city. <laughs> have to be, have to be, uh, have to be careful. I guess. Though. So.
3: Yeah, yeah I, g- uh, I guess so. But th- yeah, it was. It's interesting. Those those pickup onlys uh, from eBay. Those are those always turn out to be uh, interesting.
0: And when you open the door, hello, Neo. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm not Neo. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it, it looks like you're fine. Have you been been able to find uh, revanchist uh, in that pile yet? Uh, I thought you said. Um, you, I did
3: find revanchist. Yes. It, it, it was under, I don't know if it was under a different name, or it just had a, the, uh, the Chinese title. Right. But I, I did throw it on just to see what the hell it was, and in fact it was revanche so I was, I was pretty excited about
0: that. Yeah, one of our favorite Taiwan movies, Go Taiwan! Yeah, uh, that is one of the most craziest uh, gunplay movies ever made. Uh, yeah. uh, and uh, So I gotta I got get a copy of that, right, because I only have a VCD copy, and uh, this copy is an upgrade. Believe it or not, people, cool. it's a huge upgrade. And, and I just—I uh, also just got uh, from someone we just
3: traded discs—the uh, 21 Red List. It's the uh, same director's. That's uh, an, another gunplay film from Taiwan, from the same director. Has a uh, Lo Ray in it. Wow. I didn't, I, didn't get, I didn't get a chance to check it out, but uh, yeah, I just—I just got that in as well.
0: Might so. be something. in Taiwan yeah. is uh, for for the last few months, and uh, I'm gonna go get back to that. By the way, this is this week. It's least five. Hello, people. <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> uh, <laughs> And uh, we're gonna do a uh, we're gonna talk about uh, uh Brothers this time. But uh, first off, where where is the Podcast of Fire Network? And it's at podcastonfire And this is uh, one of the five shows that you can currently visit. We've been on a bit of a hiatus uh, during uh, this, these early summer months. This is two thousand and eleven, uh, end of June right now. But uh, we're recording shows left and right, and building up a nice pipeline for you to enjoy uh, over the summer. And uh, all I gotta say about that this is hiatus, is that uh, uh, you can't exclude life when uh, when uh, doing these podcasts. Uh, life goes first, and uh, mm-hmm. that's uh, that's the best best thing about it. But we, we it's a good thing that we have five shows, podcast on fire, commentary on fire. What's Korean cinema? What's Korean cinema, Jared? You know that? I Probably not, um
3: man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The um, chaser. That's all I know.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, that's a uh, good knowledge to have. So, um, and we have uh, this weekend's list uh, as well on that list. Then Japan on fire, of course. So, uh, uh, we're going to continue our con- continued anime coverage of uh, Studio Studio Ghibli films. Is that something you you at all had? decide to watch all the Spirited Away and House Moving Castle and all all those. I've
3: seen Spirited Away and House Moving Castle and I don't remember a damn thing about yeah.
0: them. Not for you personally.
3: No, nah, no, it's not for me. Not for nah. me. Right, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. You're a dick, but fair enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am
3: a dick,
2: yes.
0: <laughs> uh, right, though you can uh, you can interact with that dick on the on our <laughs> forum uh, podcast on fire forum. <laughs> Uh, that Dick doesn't have a Twitter, I don't think, anyway. <laughs> he doesn't use it, anyway. Uh, but, I, but I have. I'm at twitter.com forward slash at SoGoodReviews, and the uh, Twitter for the podcast uh, podcast is uh, twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. And as, uh, said, uh, as uh, King said, we uh, you also have his blog, where you can follow his uh, sh- Shady Adventures of Acquiring Laser Discs. Uh, uh, who will have the most laser discs when he dies will be the best best human being ever that, that's the game he's playing and unfortunately he's playing that very very uh, uh, he's the only participant yes <laughs> it's a competition nonetheless <laughs> uh, right oh why is it a short brothers episode when we've been doing you know 90s lease and disturbing true-life crime cinema left and right well my ambition for this podcast I, I've told the story before uh, was for my benefit and others and um, and my co-host obviously i want to find out what goes on outside of the 80s and 90s and uh, after the millennium millennium and even more uh, even you know earlier than the 70s and uh basically in a, in a in a very unsubtle way i i had to ask someone where's the first hit and uh, that's impossible to that's what to, i want to know where's, yeah, the first hit? where's the first hit uh <laughs> in hong kong or taiwan cinema and that, that sounds th- so bad yeah I, I know <laughs> uh and that's hard to track down properly but uh i i found a contact on facebook who goes so, um under the name of ma xing yi which i believe is i think it's a character name from chang che's blood brothers if i'm not mistaken i think it's oh, i think cool. it's uh, dick long's character And this gentleman, who describes himself as an old geezer constantly walking in and out of the Shaw Brothers studio in Clearwater Bay once upon a time, because one of his schoolmates was the son of a top manager at the studio. He is a lifelong fan of Shaw Brothers and uh, was kind enough to point us towards a starting point for exploitation, cinema, erotic cinema, any any erotic content, uh, just as a starting point. And we we knew we were gonna land at Shaw Brothers eventually, but we landed at Shaw Brothers for our very first examination or and it's the movie from 1966, a swordplay movie called The Night of Knights, and that's K-N-I-G-H-T-S, not knights, you know, N-I-G-H-T-S, mm. which was be, would be cool as well, because then we knew we found the right movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's The Night of Knights, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we are going to mix it up, because I, I realize it's... Um, it's gonna be a bit, uh, I think, stoic to be uh, tracking forward all the time from 1966, mm. reaching whatever ending point we have. So we we're gonna maybe do two shows in a row k- in on this theme, for finding out, finding the smart, thing, uh, educating ourselves, and f- finding movies and trends that we weren't aware of. And I'm personally interested in that to to be able to draw a line from the 90s to the 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is interesting to me, but we're gonna mix up uh, with uh, doing do specials on the likes of Rape by an Angel and other fun Category free movies that we that we like, That is just um, that, that doesn't have any information on them. They're so obscure obscure in the first place, uh, but we, we want to highlight movies because they're, they're awesome and cool. So you, you had the likes yeah. of Rock on Fire, I thought of the other day. A, aka girl on fire with uh stuart on
4: mm-hmm. and
0: necrophilia and all that, that indeed uh, <laughs> it's a it's a kick ass uh, little movie it's a actually. great movie yeah yeah so uh <laughs> that's the kind of movies we're gonna, we're gonna uh discuss uh in combination with uh doing a uh, bit of bit of uh time travel if you will l- way back to the 60s rather than to the 90s all the time and and that's gonna be fun and uh i might as well ask you that is, is that of any interest to you to, like, connect the dots in Hong Kong and Taiwan cinema? You know, uh, to you know of the 90s quite a bit, but uh, is it interesting for you to know know of, like, where things started, trends started and all Oh, that? yes,
3: yes, definitely. It definitely is. Um, I was interested in watching the Night of Nights. I'm really, I'm a Shaw Brothers layman, you know, and it's unfortunate, you know, I'm, I'm such a fan of Hong Kong cinema that I, you know, I don't know the entire history, the entire background, you know, where it began, where it started, where, you know, like you said, these, these trends started. So it's, it's an eye opener for me. I'm doing a, a fair amount of, uh, reading and research and it's really cool.
0: Yeah, sure, sure Brothers is such a mammoth undertaking anyway. Oh, yeah, geez. And, and obviously after Celestial, uh, struck the deal with Shores to release these on home video, mm-hmm. uh, again, there were very few, uh, companies uh, officially releasing Shaw Brothers movies on uh, on home video uh, one of them was uh, made in Hong Kong in the UK on UK VHS they did a few uh, old-school Chang Cheh Shaw Brothers movies on uh, widescreen tapes uh, dubbed in <laughs> English so, so so that was cool to have but also in Hong Kong y- there was an official distributor but only for the 80s movies, if I get it correctly, in the Ocean Shores uh, actually put <coughs> out um, a lot of the 80s Shaw Brothers. Right, so f- right. Unfortunately, a lot of them cropped, but yeah. still, that's the ol- that was the only way to like officially see Shaw Brothers movies. Uh, so, and, and there were some gems in the 80s, obviously, um, but but they they got more. They didn't necessarily get the likes of um, martial arts classics from the time, though so no. you didn't have five element ninja from chang che you didn't have eight diagram pole fighter from lao galong uh, but more like the, the comedies and the various horror movies you have seen and the gangster
3: and movies uh, yeah exactly that just so. trended differently yeah uh,
0: so, so you had like uh, you know girl with the diamond slipper you had uh, mm. let's make a baby you had uh, the uh, remake of intimate confessions of a chinese Courtson, which uh, which i think is lust for love of a chinese courtesan mm-hmm. Um, so, not necessarily the high-profile stuff, but in 2002, I believe it was, or 2001, you finally had uh, releases on DVD and VCD of uh, the old classics, uh, started with the likes of Come Drink With Me, was uh, released on on DVD in Hong Kong in 2002, and that was my first Shaw Brothers movie, uh, and I really, really dug it. It's still one of my favorites, and uh, the director uh, King Who, not King Who, but, mm, but the we host familiar, yeah. This Week in Sleaze, obviously, that's a clear distinction <laughs> between those. You have King Who you have King Who. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, so, did you like uh, start picking up these DVDs when they were released that long ago? Um, uh, the Celestials? The yeah, yeah 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 i did i I was
3: just just because i was a collector i wasn't a fan uh yet of of show brothers of course i knew who they were and i've seen a a bunch of their movies but um just as a collector i started collecting the 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 vcds dvds anything i can get my hands on uh, celestial just uh you know in case they just you know disappeared
0: i wanted to get you know and indeed they have i mean the deal is now over and uh, the dvds are becoming rare but uh, it was never easy to collect them all anyway and uh, obviously no, no, no not all are quality but the the Night of Nights was a movie that necessarily didn't uh, ignite, you know, the Western fan community because I don't think a lot of people knew of the movie and uh, the impact uh, it actually had and uh, we're gonna oh, talk I, about it. I'd never uh, heard of it. No, me me neither. And, and uh Mashing he was uh kind enough to put together a, a large piece on on uh Shaw brothers history up to that point, a brief Shaw brothers history and uh and putting this movie in, in context and believe me folks you might have seen the movie and thought like oh, there's nothing there and then yeah. you, you you would write there's actually nothing there that, <laughs> uh, in a way but, but we'll explain why but uh, it had an effect on uh, uh, a larger effect than you might imagine especially in 2011 when we've seen things that are you know a million f- <laughs> times stronger than, mm-hmm. uh, than than what we get in this one so uh, we are going to essentially share um me and king uh talking about the this large large piece that ma wrote and i'm i'm going first and we're going to do a brief showbrow's history first and discuss uh, whatever we feel like discussing in between so these fuck movies or sleaze fests (laughs) hong kong skinema which i think is your 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 term yeah you gotta gotta
3: i hope i hope i coined it i don't think i coined skinema but
0: i i think i coined hong kong skinema i'll I'll take credit for that yeah so (laughs) movies least hong kong skinner if you will uh, like you and i like to call them and of course they were referred to and probably uh, in some circles still are referred to as blue movies mm. we, which is fun for someone who wasn't really familiar with the term blue because uh, <laughs> blue you know means uh, the, in my world depressed and uh, movie, mm. gloomy but blue movies is mm, blue movies. <laughs> <Arr>. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of the, the term that the form uh, that the residents of the former british colony in hong kong uh used and uh, they they got exposed to blue movies in the 60s and no, not through local productions uh, as such that this raunchy material rather headed into the shores of hong kong via imports a bit american produced or european produced uh, even though ma said in his piece that uh, when hong kong decided to make their own blue moves they stepped it way the fuck up in yeah. terms of raunchiness compared to <laughs> what was imported so so i mean uh, i i guess the likes of i don't know ross Meyer films uh, could reach uh, hong kong at that point i think he was active in the 60s oh yeah, uh, yeah that's possible yeah and uh and maybe even uh, the likes of uh, these uh, old uh, christina lindberg uh, films uh, uh the swedish the swedish queen right uh, right uh Frilla and her, um, her movie exposed maybe reach hong kong so um, speaking of american and european produced so mm. so, so th- these moves obviously were profitable all around the world really and uh obviously savvy business sense existed in the 60s as well sex could sell anywhere obviously yeah sex sells all yeah. the time and uh that's uh still true in 2011 mm-hmm. uh, to uh to uh fi- you know a fine joyous degree and a kind of a depressing degree de- depending mm-hmm. on where you turn true and uh Ma's fantastic quote in the piece uh, about all this goes. Little did they know that porn would become a gigantic multi-billion-dollar industry, which would satisfy the secret needs and hidden desires of the n- of ninety percent of the global popula- population. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, that that applies to Hong Kong and all around the world. So mm-hmm. um, he, he he gives a picture of Hong Kong in the sixties. Uh, you know, of society uh, as such, and. Uh, It wasn't necessarily a picture of health, Hong Kong in the 60s, uh, but rather there were great turmoil in politics and uh, in society, obviously, and the the economy was not stable uh, in any way whatsoever. And it's said that 70% of the Asian population were not capable of making a living. The housing conditions were below average, and the many immigrants coming over from Mao Ruled mainland surely presented that overpopulation issue that you hear of uh, through movies and uh, watching documentaries Uh, (laughs) So all these obviously came in dreaming of a better future working for a better future and to escape reality for a bit Was an option too and that's where cinema comes in obviously and Shaw brothers were prepared to uh, to uh, to provide entertainment actually they they were not a small small little indie indie outlet in Hong Kong as I'll uh, as I'll discuss with you. It it seemed like cinema actually w- was a safe zone from all the turmoil and where, you know, different opinions sort of got erased. Everybody was there. It sounds kind of pretentious, I know, but everyone was there, forgetting about their their difference of opinions. <laughs> and uh, it got nullified for a moment, uh, if you will. Uh, even if movies, <laughs> That was the case, according to my uh, felt like case, even though movies were presenting messages and themes relevant at the time, and uh, uh, but uh, and and you could encounter that, in, you know, round the corner from the cinema, what you mm-hmm. uh, what you experienced uh, in the cinema, but uh, still it was a safe safe zone from a lot of things, and uh, Shaw Brothers, which was of course managed and owned by Sir Ron Ron Shaw, and he he's he's old and he's alive still that's amazing i think yeah, he's right? uh, Jeez. 103 or something Jeez. like that and big bucket of win big, uh, bucket, yeah, of big win. bucket
3: of win as they say <laughs>
0: gosh damn yeah uh so he he and he, he can still turn up at various events it's not like he's uh, sick and uh, you know forced to stay inside on there all day and can't leave his bed he's you know spry enough to to be on uh, on the various uh, wi- when it needs to be in the public uh, public light yeah. and offici- uh, officially and talk at events and what have you so strong <laughs> strong yeah. man I guess uh, but the name rose was only a few years old and, uh, it, it went under different names shores and Sons uh, for for instance so late 50s actually I think was around about the point where where Shaw Brothers' name got established even though they were established as the distributors and producers uh, at that time. And their investment in a large area of land in the new territories was this stroke of genius (laughs) back then. I mean, uh, and uh, you know, the land investment, a bargain or not, I don't know if it was expensive, it certainly paid itself eventually big time when the studio hit a stride and became such a a mammoth uh, of uh, of uh, productions, you know, uh, pe- people living there on the lands, uh, just making movies. Uh, movie town, as uh, they they describe uh, that land in new territories, which I, one day I'll 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 be sure to visit because I think uh, there are I mean tours so. of uh, Shaw Brothers Studios still mm-hmm. still being done. And and at this time in the 60s, uh, Shaw's began expanding ownership of theaters and and opera houses. Uh, they built theaters to satisfy the increasing uh, demand of um, you know uh, many wanted to put their bums in seats to watch <laughs> movies essentially uh, this was developing and it's important to note actually Shaw brothers largely retained a high production and movie quality despite this insane production rate which you can't say for the 80s and 90s in hong kong even though you have no equivalent to to Shaw brothers but when they produced movies like they did obviously quality Mm-hmm. suffered uh, on the surface though because i think 80s and 90s hong kong cinema and taiwan uh, obvi- uh, could maintain quality even though the uh, look wasn't always you know the best right you know right. they they knew what they were doing in certain ar- areas and 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 in my opinion uh, the 80s and 90s movies sometimes should look a bit grungy and a bit i, no I prefer them budget. to look
3: yeah i prefer them to look that way
0: definitely yeah but 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 it's rather cool, uh, isn't it? Uh, even though you you m- not maybe not seen a whole lot of Shore Brothers that you that they maintain such a quality of production. I mean. Uh, oh, you
3: well, you know uh, the look of a Shore Brothers movie. When you put it on, you say, "Oh, this is a Shaw Brothers movie." You can you can tell yeah. by the by the quality, by the the, the way it, the way it looks, the way it feels, the way mm. it uh, presents itself. You can definitely tell.
0: Mm. And and I mean, obviously, uh, m- movie quality could vary, but uh, mm. it's still amazing that uh, they. Um, they were very hell bent on putting effort on on screen to to make it look good at least, mm-hmm. and uh, to build these large, expansive sets and uh, have you know have the camera follow characters talking for f- two minutes through <laughs> an entire set. You know what <laughs> I mean, just to go deeper and deeper and deeper, and it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. <laughs> uh, which is all you know. It's uh, they're obviously showcasing what they've done, obviously, but uh, it's um, it is a whole lot of fun. And uh, sh- Shore Brothers, you know, obviously want to better themselves over time. So they brought in outside know-how and uh, studied uh, outside of uh, Hong Kong uh, uh, techniques. So Westerners got brought into the organization. Japanese filmmakers got brought into the organization. The, there's a Cheng Pei Pei and lily Homo called Hong Kong Nocturne. It's a mm-hmm. musical, actually. Uh, it's made by uh, a Japanese director whose name escapes me right now. And uh, obviously, these expensive sets, as I mentioned, are, are, are stable of Shaw Brothers. High-profile stars signed to long contracts, uh, like uh, David Chang, Dick Long, what have you. Sleeves. In, in a bit, in a way, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they were only, they were living in barracks, making movies, yeah, and uh, yeah. they, I, I, I'm sure there's some controversy in there. But I don't see a lot of, of these big names uh, talking bad about Shaw Brothers no, today. No. Uh, they, they they look back at that experience and realize the impact it had on 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 a large uh, large scale, uh, mm-hmm. including uh, inclu- you know globally of course. Uh, and they had actors training you know on ground. They had everything on ground there. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, all present on that huge land were essentially um, all all it was, as I said, making movies, living there, and the legendary status uh, got got built and built and built, and today can't be overlooked. And it's a household name of today, uh, especially among uh, fans uh, fans in the, w- in the Western world. But it was a household name, Shaw Brothers, uh, by this time in the mid 60s. And the name Movie Town was that Shaw Brothers land, uh, really a mecca of Asian talent and uh, show business experts. And it uh, would have been so much fun trying to follow that back then. I don't think that would have been possible, but uh, man, uh, seeing new movies every time uh, mo- you know movie posters being switched you know daily uh, There's a new movie mm-hmm. playing uh, you remember that uh, aspect of the movie just one look if you ever saw that the twins movie
3: I did not see that no right,
0: right. Well, well well essentially the, the main characters the male characters they sell these sugar canes in front of a theater and uh, most of the time when they're having dialogue they are switching out switching out to these wonderful painted posters in the background because mm-hmm. uh, the movie is Part the teen romance, but also a tribute to nostalgia. Yeah, uh, exactly, and uh, okay. th- that's why that director is uh, so good, uh, Riley. Ip. He mm-hmm. is the nostalgia factor of his movies, and uh, it's a, uh, they even have reenactments of uh, uh, various uh, s- uh, movies and no, not scenes from from A Touch of Sand, but King who esque scenes. They reenact them with oh, really? the twins and Sean Yu, and it's not as lame as it sounds, actually.
3: Oh, I have it uh, laying around somewhere, but oh, cool.
0: You, you, you got to watch that. That's a wonderful movie. And, uh, okay. You, I don't know what you think of the twins, but uh, they're in a good movie. That is a good movie for them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay but, uh, with the twins yeah. there. They don't bother me. Yeah. So, around about 1965, 66, uh, Shaw Brothers Studio obviously had its status secured and were known greatly for, for genre cinema like uh, the Huang Mei operas. Uh, uh, award winning classics uh, in that genre of like sort of the kingdom and the beauty which co-stars King Who actually. <laughs> he he he's an actor in that. He, oh I uh, am? Ca- oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, am. I am I'm in a movie. <laughs> I didn't know that <laughs> I'm I'm older than I thought. <laughs> <sighs> I gotta remember to put a huge like question mark in that. King Who's in that, not King Who <laughs> I'm gonna make you think your name is like, oh, yeah, nobody likes me. Did <laughs> I just put a question mark and mock me? <laughs> uh, well, Kingdom and the Beauty is, uh, is a good little Huangmei opera. I've actually seen it, uh, and it, it's not bad, actually. They, uh, and it uh, broke a lot of box office records at the time, and it uh, had a huge impact in terms of that. And the uh, director, Li Hanxiang, uh, also directed another mm-hmm. classic uh, Huang Mei opera, Love a Turn mm-hmm. from 1963. Kingdom in the Beauty was 1959. Uh, Love a Turn is the, um, is the story that's also been done in um, it's based on a classic uh, written work and it's also been done in Choi Hawks for Lovers and, uh, and recently in that Charlene Choi movie that Jingle Ma directed which I think was called Butterfly Lovers. It's the same, yes, yes, it's yes. It's the same story so you know the beats of that story and it's quite mm-hmm. cool. Uh, King Hu not You uh, <laughs> actually worked on that movie, apparently, uh, L- Love a Turn, and directed um, a special effects sequence, a crucial s- special effects sequence in that. So, um, he, he was not like making his living as an actor, he was it's working himself up through the ranks and eventually ended up directing The Likes of Come Drink with Me, uh, one of the most important swordplay movies. Uh, but uh, we'll talk of a little bit uh, about other important swordplay, <coughs> swordplay movies reaching uh, li- leading up to uh, The Night of Nights. So period musicals big but there, were, but there was room for dramas in the 60s and even Euro Spy movies uh, remember the, this is the decade of James Bond breaking out obviously so you had uh, quirky Euro Spy movies like uh, Temperatures of a Thousand Faces which I saw recently a really mm-hmm. fun movie I think uh, Jimmy Wang Yu did a movie called Asia Pole yes, uh, yes. Or, or Pole uh, which I think is uh, along those uh, along those lines as well I uh, haven't seen yet I do have it uh, but sword player wu wuxia, wuxia Pian. Is that the right pronunciation, you, that uh, you're studying Chinese a little bit more than I am, so...
3: I, wuxia, wuxia Pian?
0: Yeah, there we go. or soul play movies, to simplify it, they started to break out thanks to the likes of One-armed Swordsman, the Chang Che movie in from 1967, where the shift happened from the male hero being portrayed by a female to you know, male hero being betrayed by male and male heroes, period. Mm-hmm. That, that, that also was always kind of fun to know, that the women were at the forefront. That was the cinema trend at yeah. one point. But uh, Chang Chek changed a whole lot with One on Swordsman, and is one of the persons behind Night of Nights, actually. We'll go into that a, li- a little bit more. It's said that the Run Brothers, the other being Run Misho, uh described by Ma as the creative soul of the studio, you always have those kind of uh, uh, those kind of uh, I, I don't know uh, uh, if a duo runs something that uh, s- s- someone is you know the face of the company and someone mm-hmm. is more more of the, um, the the one that makes uh, all the wheels uh, right. Uh, turn. Right, that's very
3: very c- very cinematic. You know, that's it's, uh, those those brothers are always like in, in films always at the opposite end of the spectrum. You know,
0: mm-hmm. but then again, I never heard them flashing as such until mm-hmm. maybe this time because they were. They they were not agreeing uh, essentially w- about where to go now because mm-hmm. when a trend starts getting a little bit stale, you have to do something new and follow trends and uh, keep audiences in in the cinemas. Right. And uh, the formula and the mix of movies began to turn a bit uh, stale, but thankfully there were good response uh, in audiences of these Wu uh, Primarily, we have a, a milestone movie, really, uh, called Temple of the Red Lotus from 1965, starring Jimmy Wang Yu. And eventually, this was a trilogy that uh, was followed by the Sword and Loot and the Twin Swords. Uh, I, I want to see the first one, which ends rather abruptly, so it seems like they always planned at least another movie. Mm-hmm. And I- it's 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 a it's a movie <laughs> in uh, genre of in its infancy, but it's not a bad movie. I actually, quite dug Temple of the Red Lotus. Uh, uh, compared to Come Drink With Me, yeah, it's not as good, but um, it, it's uh, it's important to watch it if you're interested in uh, following, you know, the Swordplay movie. And uh, watching very young actors uh, on screen. Jimmy Wang Yu looks young. Law Leet looks extremely young. And you would be able to follow them for the 60s and 70s and 80s, in, and in particular Law Leet in Shaw Brothers. Uh and therefore, he created his, uh, you know, his uh, fandom that still remains to this day. Uh, Lolly, is a very well-liked character out of Shaw Brothers and, and and regular movies in 80s and 90s Hong Kong cinema, playing a lot of gangsters. Always, yeah. Because uh, Lolly turned um, a little bit um, not big as in he turned fat, but uh, he had that uh, he had that about him, not necessarily, and uh, not even in Shaw Brothers either, not necessarily. You know, the handsome, the handsome romantic fella. <laughs>
3: No, no. He's a he's a very odd-looking fellow. He doesn't. Uh, he, I guess he he's uh, a, a good gangster. Has a, that, that hard, rough look about him? So I think I watched that. him. Uh, I watched him in a movie last night. I watched uh, Forsaken Cop. and He was actually a police officer in that movie. Right.
0: He was a good guy. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, yeah. And also in King Box, obviously the great uh, classic Five Things of Death.
4: Have
0: mm. you have you been able to um, have you seen that yet? The classic King Boxer.
3: No, not yet. No, it's not it's yet.
0: It's rea- it's a good one. Uh, I think you enjoy it. It's uh, not... Um, it's, it's a different... It's a harsher Shaw Brothers movie. It's a basher, kind of. And it, okay. it's really, really cool, and he's good in it. So talking <coughs> Temple of the Red Lotus and the swordplay breakthrough, it's quite conceivable that audiences... Obviously, we're looking for entertainment, but they were also looking to recognize their life in cinema. And these movies with noble knights armed with swords could and probably did carry political and social um social messages social commentary about the economy in in the mm. scripts and uh it, it it's not it's not a bad thing to you know put that in there bake that in there and see if audiences pick up on that and could relate to their life watching fictional cinema despite it being period fictional cinema and uh bottled up anger and stirred up emotion in emotions in need to be processed we have a silver screen that's a good thing, and it could boost uh, the studio as well. Uh, boost the studio <laughs> as well. And uh, now, in this story, we are going to introduce s- someone that uh, all Shaw Brothers fans know and uh, thought of when movies were starting to uh, finally being being released officially. They were anxiously awaiting the movies of Mr. Chang Che you know, I I know who Chang Chee is but I
3: I I know a few of his movies I've seen I don't know much about him so you know I am I'm a, a Chang Chee layman uh but Chang uh Chee was offered a part-time job in the studio by Run Shaw after uh, Run Me was impressed with his work as a journalist and uh his writing endeavors included essays on politics the economy uh hardcore honest jabs at the showbiz industry which are always awesome and uh <laughs> Uh, his initial uh, screenplays provided bits and pieces of poems and even lyrics to songs in movies. And his early directorial efforts, they kind of frustrated Che and uh, the lost black and white movie, Tiger Boy.
0: Oh, I'm yeah. so anxious to see that. I, think I, I know, I know. It sounds uh, so good. And, it's uh, actually at the Hong Kong uh, Film Archive, I think. You can, you can actually go into the Hong Kong Film archives and watch it there or, oh, see get out of here. Or, or, or see sections of it i don't know i know david harris our good friend da- david mm-hmm. on facebook i think has done that was planning to do so 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 david p- please report back w- what's the deal there can you watch tiger boy in its entirety and oh, uh, definitely. Wh- why is it only there and not that on sounds awesome <laughs> yeah
3: so yeah, Tiger Boy had only enjoyed a limited run before being pulled uh, for its content, reportedly. And uh, the British censorship report called Tiger Boy an outrageous amount of violence and gore, a subversive political attack, inappropriate use of nudity, and an arrant invitation to rebel. We approve, no doubt. Exactly, thumbs <laughs> way up. <laughs> so these barbs and the fate of Tiger Boy, it, you know, wasn't nothing to to make Run Run Shaw lose confidence in Che. Because um, Che would uh, soon direct The Magnificent Trio in 1966, and of course the groundbreaking classic The One-Armed Swordsman in 1967, making the studio rise in fame and status. But uh, it was, it was this, this crucial writing gig, if you will, uh, by Cheng Che that really uh, made Cheng Che the, the, the person we know him as today. And that was the writing, uh, the scripting of The Night of Knights, which we'll get to in a bit. The Red Temple trilogy were not the only films to create buzz for the, the wuxia genre, but also King Hu's stylish classic that we mentioned earlier, Come and Drink With Me.
2: Yeah, it's me. i also... <laughs>
3: King Hu. King Hu? I directed a movie? Uh, <laughs> come, come Drink With Me from uh, 1966, uh, which featured a breakout performance by Cheng Pei Pei, and that pushed the genre into the forefront of Hong Kong and Asian filmgoers. So, arguably, um, Che's writing gig the Night of Nights was more about continuing to cash in On the now popular wuxia films As well as perpetuate the buzz Of the show's famous movie town you know, and, and of course cash in they did So uh, going by a winning formula But injecting his criticisms against religion uh, For instance There's a lot of uh, political stuff Especially in The Night of Nights You can read into it But uh, Che provided a lot of, of, of this, this subtext In his earlier films To imbue them with a, a certain depth uh, in fact, the lost film, Tiger Boy, which we just mentioned, reportedly had featured what uh, Ma Xing Yi describes as a violent bearing of female breasts. Yikes. Now that just sounds awesome. <laughs> that's, that's right up Charlie Cho's alley. A violent bearing of female breasts, what the hell is that? What, what could that be? That's Yeah, insane.
0: and uh, we've got to go to Hong Kong Film Archives to, to find out, I guess. A violent bearing of female breasts, I, 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 don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm giddy,
3: you know, with anticipation to to, to see it. <laughs> so no, no, that's that sounds right up our alley. You so, know, uh che was working for uh, a boss and not steering his boat completely by himself, uh but the instance of a male hero as his main protagonist now, during a time when this was not um a given trend and having a say in terms of casting and crews showed the runs had confidence in him and uh it was close, he was close to directing, um, as he would get to at this point. Mm-hmm. But as, uh, as Che had caused a bit of a stir with his writing, perhaps it was a good idea to hire another director, and the job went to Xu Chun, or Sid Quan for the Night of Nights, who uh, firmly dipped his toe into the wuxia genre with this movie. So, uh, what made this movie slide into the blue category, then? Where are the tits? Which which we all wanna know.
0: Where are the tits? Come on. Yeah, yeah this is a, this Week in it's it's, 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 it's it's the short
3: <laughs> boobies. It's our short <laughs> boobies pod, podcast. <laughs> so the the movie could surely be described as a as, you know, business as usual with with noble knights slain trying to rescue you know women in distress, uh and the woman <laughs> woman being abused and molested by criminal monks. Yeah, regular. Stuff, cool. yeah. Criminal yeah. monks. <laughs> and of course it's up to the knight just one. One in particular, Knight, uh, to take on the unjust ones with his sword. Bloody fights, twists and turns, political conspiracy, and horny monks. My favorite kind of monks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, those are the pieces that made the Knight of Nights stand out. And uh, what, what made people talk, do you think? Was it the horny monks? <laughs> the political conspiracy? You know, what, what, what made the movie so scandalous? You know, what caused a public outcry? What? Uh, generated the the favorable favorable box office. Um, what was it that created a star out of our leading lady? You know, still in a in a quite early minor role, Lily Ho.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, barely a supporting role. But um, yeah, 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 indeed, uh, there's a lot of questions behind it. Why were we even talking about the Night of Nights? Yeah. Right, right.
3: So the the problem with the the Night of Nights is uh, we are likely never going to see it fully, as these uh, certain tumultuous 49. Half-naked seconds have been censored, and it's not available on the, D- the DVD, uh, although the poster and DVD cover may clear the, the reference to the scene. But uh, uh, in short, Lily Ho's character, she takes off her clothes to dry them out of fire, and uh, then perhaps because of the cold or, or her affection for the man who rescued her, or maybe she was just horny. <laughs> she shoves <laughs> yeah. aside this huge piece of cloth hanging out as a partition between her and the knight, and she wraps her arms around him, pressing her naked body against his, you know, now willing to make love. And now now that's fucking hot.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> you know? That's... That, that, Alright. Um, <laughs> concentrate, concentrate. I'm <laughs> trying, I'm trying. Alright, pull my pants back up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it was a true career boost for, for Lily Ho, and it's actually said that this this celluloid, quote-unquote, action was, was looked at favorably by female eyes, and Ho was kind of looked at as something of a, a liberated role model, if you will. And uh, Lily Ho would go on to appear in a ton of martial arts films, musicals, dramas, spy movies, like you mentioned, but more importantly in another milestone of erotica or Hong Kong cinema, Yeah, bitch. Uh, yeah, uh, in, in the form of Chuyun's Intimate Confessions of a Chinese uh, Courtesan from uh, 1972, uh, where she played the lead, uh, the lead character. I knew, and we mentioned that uh, intimate confessions, of course, the last time out in reference to it being the updated uh, naked killer, being the updated version. Mm-hmm. And incidentally, uh, I knew I had to ask Wei what I knew translated as, and it translates as love woman. Ah, so that was a little, nah, you know, a nod and a wink by the uh, the script, the script writers.
0: And, so, and uh, so, so she actually wants to do rather than. If you're gonna ask a movie for the sleaze podcast, I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. it's it's, it's co- yeah, please
3: you help me out. Yeah, I'm she's, King uh, Who. It's me. She's my res- my research partner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so uh, Ho played a male character even in the classic for, the fourteen Amazons in 1972. I I never saw it. Did you see it? Kick-ass movie. Really? I,
0: that's what uh, I hear. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. And uh, you know, big, you know. I, I'm not really like the epic movie kind of guy, like, but it's fucking awesome to see these epic battles, you know. This is how you showcase the land that Shaw Brothers invested in. Uh, chang Chia was very good at this, but I think and Amazons is a lot better than any of his big, you know, battlefield movies, if you will. Uh, and it's a co-directed by the dad of uh, action director and director Ching Si-Dong. Uh, his dad is Ching Gong. Mm-hmm. Uh, he co-directed the 14 Amazons and I think Ching Sudong actually has, um, a, he was part of the action directing team in 1972 on the 14 Amazons. Oh wow. Cool, cool.
3: And uh, L- Lily Ho received awards and uh, international acclaim uh, during this time and she had a relatively short career. And uh, it was cut down by uh focus on family life and business endeavors, you know, as seems the case with, you know, many Hong Kong actresses. Mm-hmm. They marry a businessman have a family, and then they're never heard from again. Hmm. But Ho today, she, she owns a chain of restaurants in Shanghai, which is that's pretty cool. Hmm. And uh, she recalls during an interview, uh, as Ma states, that it was surprising the scene caused such a fuss. Uh, hmm. Director Sik Quan was, in fact, reluctant to shoot the scene, but at the instance of Cheng Che and the cameraman, but the scene good, was done... Good. Do it. Yeah right. Come do on, Pre- just pressure. Imagine that pressure.
0: Yeah, do it. Come on, We're not gonna see a lot. Come on, just do it. I did come violent on. bearing of breasts. <laughs> <laughs> I demand.
3: <laughs> so yeah, the the scene the scene was done, and uh, she ordered the set to be cleared. But Lily apparently didn't care too much and stripped down in front of the crew. Right. On. Which is, she's a gamer, man. That's that's awesome. That's good. Yeah. That's good stuff. So you know, no regrets seemingly on on behalf of her, who uh, also says she thinks. The outside territories such as Singapore, Japan, Taiwan, the other territories that uh, the Show Brothers dealt with got the, the longer, un- uncut version compared to the now-censored Hong Kong version that, that we viewed. Yeah, yeah and, th- and this, was like, this was just her one, one-shot deal. Lily, she didn't bear anything you know, ever again. You know, and, uh, but this, this particular scene, I guess, uh, jump-started
0: her, her career big time. And and a respectable career, to b- to yeah, yeah, uh, very, very. Not no, not like uh, she didn't get pigeonholed, if you will, uh, into making these kind of roles, Erotica, only erotic, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, intimate confession of a Chinese court, and Yeah, it's an erotic, erotic movie, but it's uh, it, it's uh, it's not low rent movie by no, a stretch of imagination. Strong movie for her, um, and strong well, for Hong Kong cinema ge- in
3: general. Oh, very, very hell, strong, yes, strong. hell yes, yes, yeah. and
0: and I think we we are going to return to it fully. Uh, at some point during this series, uh, because yeah. I I'm I'm dying to to rewatch it again. It's a mesmerizing film, yeah, in my is. opinion. And s- since we've done Naked Killer, I think it's only fair to to do Intimate Confessions as well. Yeah. And, and and even do and even do a sequel in the same podcast to to compare the two, or, or rather the remake. Pardon me. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm up for that definitely.
3: So uh, uh, Mod describes the impact of the scene as a, a true precursor of things to come, so, so utterly daring and completely unheard of in Hong Kong at the time. And a uh, short action that would be described as the first porn scene in Hong Kong cinema. So that's, that's pretty cool. And uh, analysts and critics, uh, they, they felt it liberated uh, the movie scene, which is, uh, I'm all for, thumbs up. Mm. And uh, <laughs> duly and softcore porn scenes became common at, the, at, uh, at times would be considered an art, and uh Surefire asses in seats box office drawer via such filmmakers as Lee Han Shang, Ho Fan and Lu Chi. And uh after a while became less scandalous and just accepted as something kinda common to feature in movie movies, even at, you know, the, the classy Shaw brothers.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh but in nineteen sixty six, during, you know, the turmoil of real time, you know, Uh, 49 seconds of of cut footage God damn it, this cut footage Uh, (laughs) It came flying at audiences In a true stomach-punching, face-slapping
0: fashion And and thus, tits Glorious tits (laughs) Changed movie town In essence, I don't think it's actually That we're missing 49 seconds I think we're missing a few only This scene is round about that
4: Right, right Uh,
0: But but, uh, as we'll discuss later I think we're missing uh a few seconds but i might be wrong because um as we'll discuss later i have my theories of w- what is missing really uh because it seems like a complete scene it's not it does it does I- yes. it's not like it's uh, you have uh, sh- shifts in audio and it's uh, uh very uh, the editing is very jumpy no. it's uh so if we didn't know we would not uh it's, it's seamless uh, very seamless yeah absolutely absolutely uh, compared to other other s censor issues uh, of the time. So I mean people are like s- desperate, desperate to see like the big boss saw in the head scene. But mm-hmm. fuck all that. Yeah. Fuck that. Up its ass. We wanna I, see I we wanna see the full scene in the Night of Night <laughs> night of nights. <laughs> I don't see anyone on Kung Fu cinema forums uh mm. demanding this. No. It's a Bruce Lee saw the head scene, and uh, frankly, I I, I, I would love to see it uncut, but frankly, uh, to cause a bit of a stir, that discussion is old. Mm. Just just let it go, and for people who say, I have the uncut print, but I'm not going to show it to you, fuck you (laughs) too. Right up the ass. Yeah. So, you know, prove that you have it, first of all, so. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I hate that stuff man I, yeah, I, I never understood I don't, I don't you, you don't either. see it too much in when uh, among, amidst fans de- discussing category 3 movies Pe- people are willing to to the you know share oh yeah I think and and they, I, they I, they love, sh- I love it yeah I love yeah. the fact they share I mean you, you, you're not gonna see like you know the gems out of your 500 laser discs purchase, You know, you like holding up, holding on up to the camera. You can't see this. This is no. a treasure that's worth a lot of money. You can't no. see it. If I had the ability to, to copy the laser disc, I'd do it in a second. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna set you up with something that's quite uh, yeah. it's quite easy uh, to to transfer okay, laser cool. discs because I think you you might want to do that of your gems to to yeah, make okay. sure you know y- there is the issue of laser rot. Yes. Yes. Uh, which um, makes the discs playable largely but you do have interferences on screen so uh, whatever gems you have you you do need to transfer those uh, (coughs) uh, but uh, yeah that's another discussion this is our first time for a break and we're gonna do a small uh, compared to other shows a small discussion of um, two out of the cast and crew on night of nights so thanks for sticking with us and we'll be right back Welcome back. And compared to, as I said, other episodes in this series, we, we don't know too much about the director, the writers and the cinematographers and, you know, five, uh, five, uh, five out of the cast. But uh, we, we mentioned shang Chen, we mentioned Lili Ho and uh, we, or maybe just I, will uh, go, go through a few of my impressions of uh, of these two. And uh, I, I guess I have the most to say about Chang chi which I am a fan of, but uh only up until a certain period and after that period i, I think his fandom is is larger and greater with uh, sort of the rest of the community but uh, I, I i never really agreed on a certain direction change took and i'll explain why uh, the period i've always preferred is his 60s period up till around 1975 because his direction changed and he, his early play movies the mentioned Magnificent Trio, which is a great movie. And uh, I heard it's actually a quite close remake of a Japanese movie. Uh, wh- wh- that name escapes me though right now. But uh, it's a good swordplay movie. It's G- Jimmy Wang Yu stars in it. And uh, also I think uh, the main actor of uh, the Knight of Nights is in it, in uh, in uh, sort of a second leading uh, leading man. So here's the early swordplay movie, Shang-Chi, and chi uh, also a lot of shorts they, they they owe a lot of japanese cinema in style also because shorts sent filmmakers to japan to study the techniques so so if you look at i don't know uh, the likes of seven Sam samurai or, or any other famous samurai movie the uh the sort of uh, patience that they have you know uh fights being very short but build-ups to fights being very long mm. if you know what i mean that that's you, you, you can say that's a Japanese influence, if you want to simplify it. Uh, but s- despite all of that, Chang Che's most beloved classics uh, were really fine mixtures of quite complex drama f- for the time, and still, to me, are quite complex. And com- p- combining that with exciting and tension-filled action scenes, with a lot of cartoony bloodshed at points, that, uh, his love for blood got increased as, uh, as mm. the years went on. The, the very uh, distinct uh, Shaw Brothers light Red Blood. Uh, which is always fun uh. I think I heard uh, Quentin Tarantino Wanted that Type of blood In Kill Bill You know He wanted to Have right. that mixed On screen I don't know If he ever Succeeded as such But uh, there you go What a geek <laughs> What what a fine geek That is uh, I, I really I really love Blood uh, Really love Kill Bill mm, Indeed uh, did, did you get on With those movies at all Oh I love them Yes definitely Some in the theater Yeah And uh, yeah. wow that, that, that someone Can be so indulgent And have that Play on so many screens in front of normal people regular people no yeah. geeks that is i dig it i dig the, it good, good absolutely kick ass yes. yeah, good for him and uh whenever i think of kill bill i can't forgive him for death proof you know because that's where his fandom you know failed you can you point. can
3: forgive him for death
0: proof i i, I can forgive him for, for death proof because okay. of uh kill bill being so awesome okay but if kill All bill right. didn't exist and we still had death proof to deal with uh, yeah,
3: yeah, oh, that might have been an issue.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, Quinty knows a lot about Shaw Brothers, so it's a fine connection to um, to the podcast.
4: Hmm.
0: Chang Chia had a working relationship uh, for for a few years with uh, Wang Yu, Jimmy Wang Yu, but but also when they parted, and also when kind of when um, Jimmy headed out of the studio to pursue his own independent uh, career, which created a lot of kick- kick-ass movies like uh, *Master of Flying Guillotine*. And uh, a lot of good work in Taiwan cinema. So the other famous Chang-Chi working relationship was with uh, David Chang, Dick Lung and Chen Kuan Tai, which are in a lot of good movies and a lot of shit movies together. <laughs> <laughs> because again, Shu Brothers produced so much, we need to put all of these in one movie, and it can be pretty embarrassing at points. I, I, I saw Young People, an early 70s movie, I think, or 69, yeah, or 70. Okay, yeah. uh, it's a modern movie, and it's you know what do the young people do they sing and they race (laughs) and they play basketball for (laughs) half an hour at a time thus creating a two-hour movie it's a strange little movie actually Uh, and uh, you have the you know the fashion was what it is obviously at that time but it's strange to see these guys in that Fashion and uh, I don't know. It's a uh, it's a fun movie. Way <laughs> too long, oh, and no, and no. it's not about anything. It's absolutely not about anything. It does have action, but it's not about anything at all. And I think there was a sequel called Generation Gap, which I've yet to okay. see. Yes, all right. Uh, but uh, I do recommend young people. But prepare, it's long. You know, oh, the, 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 uh, the long bas- basketball game. You know, compared to the likes of Dragon Lord, which had a different long game or games. You know, Jackie Chan was definitely better at portraying. You know, long, long, uh, long sections of sports. Chang Chi was not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, you still have some marvelous action dramas from these guys, which w- will be what they are will be known for. And the blood, bro- uh, the movie Blood Brothers, is one of the fine, fine examples of this. Uh, so if you watch a lot of Chang Chi movies, you, you you realize his sort of standard mix at times. His mix is very standard, and uh, he he can relax at times and just you know engage the autopilot uh, and but but that still is fine when you do have classics like the blood brothers it's it's fine to see that you know quartet of performance if you will you know the actors and the director just uh, you know put on display the cliches of uh, brotherhood painted in blood horrific uh, horrific and heroic depths, you know with them tying their guts uh, tying a shirt around their waists to mm. hold in their guts uh, you know, to fight 20 minutes more all that is fun to me and uh, up until 1975 essentially Chang Chia's last great movie and a movie I recommend to you actually is the Disciples of Shaolin with uh, Alexander Fu Shang okay. uh, it's actually a very mature action drama it's, um, it was remade as the barefoot kid if you've seen that Okay, yeah, yeah, the Johnny Toe movie? Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Ar- Ar- so it's essentially the same story. Okay. And it's really, really good, because by 1975, I, the, the way I knew of Changsha was like, he's not capable of this anymore. He's changed, mm-hmm. he wants another direction. But Disciples of Shaolin came like, whoa, man, I I got thrown back to like the 60s maturity. There's even a modern drama called Dead End with Dick Lung, which is really, really good. and. Uh, uh, Restrained, even. Uh, he could make, you know, restrained drama rather than mm-hmm. a huge, m- having movies with huge melodramatic outbursts. And The Cypress of Shaolin is really good. Has some wonderful symbolism that isn't pretentious and uh, really Fu Sheng's finest movie. An actor and performer I've never been that much of a fan of. I don't know why. I've never seen him fit in movies uh yet, anyway. I've not seen all of his movies, but The mm-hmm. Cypress of Shaolin. He comes in as this country bumpkin uh, who gets corrupted by, by you know, wealth, uh, uh, the, the wealthy forces corrupt him, you know, they use him and abuse him. Right. And he, do, he does obviously have action scenes and all that, but it's, it's it works so much better in dramatic context. Uh, so, definitely seek out The Cypress of Shaolin, which, uh, when all is said and done, I think is one of Shang-Chi's finest, uh, finest movies and um, the most tragic movies. And if you know the template of The Barefoot Kid, you, you, <coughs> you essentially know the movie, yeah. But uh, there are two different visions, uh, definitely. I, it's fun actually, Lao Galeng worked on the action on Disciples of Shaolin and The Barefoot Kid. Oh, cool. So, so you had the same a- action directors there. Uh, Lao Galeng, of course, was... Um, th- that was sort of towards the end of his working relationship with Chang Chia, him and Tong uh directed action for him for in the 60s and all up till all up until uh, mid-70s when Lau Galang broke uh, broke free uh, to direct on his own and uh, Tong Hai obviously worked as action director maybe on Chang chi movies uh, for a little bit more but for others and eventually started to direct a little bit himself. I heard he was reluctant but the movies Tong did do are very much regarded as uh, classics I think. Uh, one of Shaolin is Shaolin Prince which is a very fun movie, but also Opium and, and the Kung Fu Master mm-hmm. is a uh, quite regarded movie, late 80s film. I think it was released in 85 even, or 84, 83, so. But the direction that I don't like personally, that Chang-Chi took, was when bringing in the opera plays from Taiwan that essentially became The Venoms. And mm. I, I wasn't that interested anymore, even though I, I've not seen all the flicks from this period. They, they've n- so far not left a favorable impression. For instance, Five Venoms or Five Deadly Venoms. To me, it's a cool movie, but it's way overrated. I I think it's rather boring. I, I do respect what it's trying to do. It's actually a murder mystery, Five Venoms. Right. But... And I like the concept of the uh, mask to, the masked, uh, the masked uh, Venoms at one point. It's a great demo sequence for you know, the lizard yeah. and the snake and all yeah. that. But I, I I just find it so underwhelming and actually a bit overrated. Uh, do, did you ever see Five Venoms?
3: Yes, I, I enjoyed it. I, I like that kind of a movie. It's a little more exploitational to me. You know, I, 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 I dig that stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Do, do Do keep that in mind when you watch the likes of Disciples of Shaolin. De, de, then you'll understand, like, the direction of Changsha, I don't think it turned worse. I think he wanted to try something else.
2: Right.
0: Because they're so different in terms of action as well. Furthermore, Flag of Iron and the Brave Archer movies, they are snooze fests. You know, Flag of Iron is just talky, 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 talk, 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 blah, 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 bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Brave Archer movies, I have no idea what goes on in those. Large, large volumes of books condensed into four movies still, I have. It's so incoherent. Oh, and, and not cool live uh, swordplay movies or fantasy movies uh, uh, just minor things here and there and I, I'm not a fan of those Maybe I, and, and I'm not saying those who likes them are, are idiots I'm just not a fan of those but uh, his period post-Shaws when we go up to the 80s they're kind of fun and right. kind of embarrassing at the same time because the movies are way 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 uh, less budget, budget. Yeah, cheap, wants. very cheap. Yeah. Uh, but a movie uh, that actually came out on um, Ocean Shores, I think, and um, uh, two movies rather, uh, Nine Demons. That is a hell of a lot of fun because it's a supernatural, aggressive kind of exploitation-like movie as well, mm-hmm. where the main character gets uh, uh powers from the devil essentially and, uh, oh cool it's, it's kind of fun Shanghai 13 is this fun fighting yes. showcase with his old short chums and the talent of one. today yeah and uh, yeah. everybody was in it including you know the young talent of And Lau <laughs> and even Danny Lee was in it mm-hmm. and finally uh, the one movie I wanted to mention that ties into the podcast on Fire Network is Ninja in Ancient China mm-hmm. which was released uh, by our co-host Mike Banner on his own label Green Fan DVD and it's harmless fun as long as you don't expect too much to, to, for it to be, you know, another blood Brothers. So ninjas are fun and, uh, <laughs> you know, even though a latter career like that, for, for any director, is uneven and even embarrassing at points, you know, it doesn't take away from the legendary legacy. You know what I mean? Sure. Because he didn't make a fool out of himself. He didn't go up on stage and, you know, made racial slurs or homophobic <laughs> slurs or anything. Like <laughs> like other people in the entertainment in- industry recently. Yeah. You know, he didn't put his foot in his mouth. And um, <laughs> and uh, so Chang-Chi so has a living legacy. I recommend, you know, I can make a list of like five to eight movies that you have to watch that, uh, and, and they probably won't include uh, any Venom's films because I'm, a pu- I'm s- such a huge fan of his mix of drama and swordplay and uh, from the 60s and 70s and uh and and i would throw nine demons in there but but i haven't seen the likes of five element ninja and the kid with the golden arm and what have you so uh, and even uh, invincible shaolin is supposed to be really mm-hmm. good so you know I'll, I'll reserve judgment obviously but i'm no i, mean, I, I am in no hurry so uh, that's my you know my fairly uh, f- fairly slight experience with Chang chair but uh you, you have even less experience but w- what's showing Impression so far of what you've seen?
3: Um, I, I don't think I've seen enough to to form uh, an impression. Like I've I've seen the, the, his later films, not the ones that you've mentioned that you you liked the uh, the early films. I ha- I haven't seen many of those, uh, if, if any. So I really I, I mm. can't um I can't form that that, that great of an opinion. I don't, mm. I don't have a trajectory. I don't know where he started, mm. uh, I I know where he finished, yeah. but really not 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 where he started. So I mean, but I I like what I've seen. I know I know the name. I've I've read about Cheng Che. I've heard. You know about Cheng Che for years and years and years, mm. but uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have an opinion. I, I really don't.
0: Well, well, what well, I said I was going to make a list? But I'll, 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 mm. I'll, men- I'll mention three movies just to check out. And uh, one is Disciples, Disciples of Shaolin. Okay. One of Swordsman and The Blood Brothers. Okay. Because I think that they, they are. I have all of th- those movies. they just yeah, I yeah, just yeah You're bound them. to fucking have <laughs> them. They're in pile number one hundred and thirty-six right, right. five. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. yeah uh because w- one on Source Man is really important but it's also like a good movie about you know uh s- someone being outcast after being invited to a large family you know uh, right. it's a it's kind of a you know uh, it's a movie that speaks to the youth or spoke to the youth at that time yeah i've uh,
3: seen bits and pieces of it it's it's, yeah. it's hard to avoid you know when you're in, into hong kong cinema mm-hmm. so and, th- I've, I've definitely seen a, a, a decent amount of it
2: hmm
0: uh, Blood brothers, epic, t- true mm-hmm. life story apparently. Uh, but you know, uh, it's it's the old cliche, you know, a trilogy of brothers that uh, over time gets uh, you know uh, yeah. turned turn deadly enemies. Uh, right, one right. one g- gets too much power in a way, and, uh, and it's a good role for Dick Long uh, playing a bad guy. Won an award for that movie, and, and the Cypress of Shaolin really tragic and affecting, and uh, and also um, you know very restrained and. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting an urge to watch that again as I'm talking about it. Never ever watching in English, by the way. It's that standard dub that Shaw Brothers put together really mm-hmm. didn't play well for that movie. Uh, so if you, if you actually encounter something that has English dubbing on it, d- do go with the original Mandarin for Disciples of Shaolin. Um, normally, English dubs, they're fine. They don't right, destroy right. the movie. This one has too much dramatic power for me that English actually um, took away from all that. I wasn't as interested anymore when I watched it in in, uh, in English. It's better when there's obviously no dialogue and just the violence and the action, then that speaks. But, um, and, and it's not like English, the English dubbing is goofy or anything, like Fu Shang ha- is having a dramatic speech and he's having a clownish voice or anything. It just didn't really work. It it, uh, it demanded uh, better performance, actually. Uh, I think it, okay. da- it, it, boi- it boils down to that. So keep, keep those for your mind, and uh, let us know okay. what you thought, thought Follow them once you find them. Eventually, I'll,
3: uh, I'll, I'll get to them eventually. I'm sure. There's and so and many, I literally so many mean
0: find them. I mean, yeah,
3: exactly. Have to dig through them.
0: Jesus. You have them. I, I have them <laughs> somewhere. They're somewhere in, the, in this in this apartment. <laughs> you have a different um, different perspective on things because pe- people literally can't find them on DVD, but you can't find them in your apartment. <laughs> That's that's funny, yeah. That's true. Send a search party if I don't come back for three days. Bye. Uh, That is true. Stuck in there like a mine or something. (laughs) Mm. Uh, Finally, this will be a short one because we're both not very familiar yet with Lily Ho. And and, and really, there's not not too much more to mention. We don't have too much, uh, any biographical information on her other than what we've mentioned. I I have trouble remembering sure uh, actors and actresses' faces. To yeah, be honest, I have that so, so far, uh, in particular leading ladies. And w- when I saw in *The Night of Nights*, I didn't recognize that that was Lily Ho. And then I checked, like, uh, checked like *Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Court*. And so, oh yeah, that, but that's not yeah. her. Yes, it is. She looks way different. Only, you know, it's a six-year difference, of course, but it's not like. <laughs> Women turn old that quick. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she, she, she. I, I don't know if she she changed her image, had a more confidence, uh, aura of confidence about her, but she's way more distinctive. In the likes of uh, *Intimate Confessions* and even a movie from the same year I watched uh, recently called *Casino*, uh, she's uh, really good in that place. This uh, tough uh, owner of uh, of a casino, and it's like, yeah, now I know Lily Ho. I still don't recognize her in *Night of Nights*. <laughs> There's a that, that's a girl those movies that was a woman okay. right, right. Uh, I, I I don't know it's probably something wrong with me probably have some illness in me where I can't recognize faces <laughs> I don't know but uh, that that's that's definitely <laughs> it but uh, I, I, I do dig it when I when I see her she's seen some classic movies and uh, and uh, I, I've not yet formed more extensive opinions than that of her other than see intimate confessions of a Chinese court, and see right, the right. 14 Amazons and uh, and even Casino th- and, uh, that's a cool little uh, little movie okay Okay, what about
3: you? To know. Uh, I'm only familiar with her from *Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Courtesan*, uh, and I th- I did see *The Lady Professional*, which is one of those uh, Euro spy-esque type type films, uh-huh. and that 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 didn't leave a, a lasting impression. I couldn't tell you what the hell happened to that, in that film, <laughs> but I I, I I did see that. So I again I'm not really familiar with with Lily Ho. The name I'm familiar with, but the the actress and and her work uh, not so much.
0: And and we'll see if our um... our our uh, notes on her increases as this particular look back series goes on. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, we we are at the beginning part of her career and therefore there's probably not a whole lot that should be said, you know, we're basing on what we see on her early work here. And that early work we are going to discuss after the second break. And so we're gonna talk about the night of nights and uh, I'm gonna talk about where tits started. (laughs) be right back. Come back to the Knight of Knights review, and to state again, despite this being this week in release, this is not you know knight as in N I G H T. This is a you know noble knights <laughs> doing these kind of movies. We're not doing the Knight of Knights review. Oh yeah, that movie, right on. Oh, yeah. We're not doing that. Sorry about that, King. We're not doing that movie. So <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> and, okay. And, and, and you're gonna hear a door slam, and <laughs> someone no, like, "What no, no. yeah, no, oh, no. we're
3: talking about, Night of Knights?" <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, what is this 1966 movie about? Then uh, I, I should state that took the plot from the Internet Movie Database, credited to Brian Camp. Obviously, it's not his plot, but he wrote it, so credit where credits due. Uh, during a nighttime raid by six sworn brothers on a monastery, run by a corrupt gang of horny monks, uh, the six old brothers, um, the six brothers all die, uh, with the last one living long enough to tell the seventh sworn brother when. Su Chen, which is actor Q Chong, also a filmmaker at the time and co-star of Not the Magnificent Trio, by the way, I was wrong. He's the co-star of Changchus' The Trail of the Broken Blade, uh, also with uh, Jimmy Wang Yu. And, okay. and it's another good one. Okay. And he tells Wen about all the dirty deeds going on at the monastery. And Wen, accompanied by two assistants, sidekicks if you will, uh, goes to the monastery in uh, disguise as a traveling scholar to see for himself what goes on. And he's the kind of Place where a pretty wife coming to bring lunch to her husband, a carpenter working there, is kidnapped and brought to an underground chamber by outrageously horny monks (laughs) eager to have his way with her. So Wen is working on behalf of Minister Lin, whose daughter is the character Lin Hongyu, played by Lily Ho, whom the corrupt monk uh, monks are pl- plotting to kill Minister Linda, is with an ingenious contraption designed to send a seaside pavilion toppling into the sea. And my first note on the movie, before we go into a little bit more in-depth discussion, is a decent, if not very overwhelming, piece of swordplay action kept afloat easily by the grand production values at shores and by the coolness of the genre, the sort genre which I am weak for, so so that's my initial impression. So I'll, I'll I'll throw this over to you briefly. What's your initial impression, basic impression of the film?
3: I thought it was kind of uh, routine, uh, maybe a, a, a little weak. I guess I expected a, a little more. Um, but the the I guess we're re- reviewing the film, you know, because the the claim to fame, I guess, is the the almost nudity in it. But what impacted me was the violence. Mm-hmm. Stark in 1966. I mean, this this was
0: this was fucking violent for a, a movie in the mid 60s. Absolutely, and the, the, it's a, the best part of the movie is actually the opening. Uh, yeah. And uh, I actually love it even before the violence, though. <laughs> uh, the opening in, in the credits, uh, you have paintings mm. of I think are uh, uh, scenes from the movie. I never went back to check. Uh, Really lovely paintings during this credit sequence that set to your age old traditional Chinese instrument score. And I always love the beats of this type of score. Like it's a stage play about to happen and an actual Mm. Peking Opera about to happen, which often suits these type of movies. This has kind of a musical number later on, but Mm. it's not a Peking Opera. But, uh, you know, the, the curtain will open up after these beautiful paintings are put in front of you. Again, a sign of the Shaw Brothers production quality was the, uh, the, the, Were
3: the paintings uh, commonplace around this time? Because uh, a movie I'm going to talk about later Crocodile River had the same opening with the, with the, the paintings those, those really pretty paintings with the, the nice classical music over it I just want you know and it, that was made in 65 so I'm just wondering is, was was this common uh, in, the, in films from the Shaw Brothers at this time?
0: I, I've seen it on a few occasions if, okay. if that means it's common I don't know I do remember mm. the Temple of the Red Lotus opening which is again a movie around this time what, had that kind of opening? I've never went back to check if they actually correspond to actual scenes in the movies or just you know paintings of uh, sort of They're heroes great, and great violence in general.
3: Yeah, great, great paintings. Exactly. They're
0: beautiful. Yeah. Exactly. And a lot of these things in that, that I've talked about the, the type of uh, credits and the type of score, you know, and the action and violence were about to talk about it may feel like cliches today but these are elements from a genre in its infancy it's very important to Mm -hmm. note that and if you're interested in that kind of thing you 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 realize when you watch movies that are critical and important that they're not always the best movies for the genre right if you jump ahead to movie a movie like the big boss big bruce lee's big Mm -hmm. breakthrough I, i it's a great breakthrough and it has some wonderful scenes in it not the strongest movie no. Uh, definitely not. But the elements that work, they work really, 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 really well and makes makes that movie a classic. Night of Nights isn't necessarily uh, comparable to a Big Boss in that regard, but I just wanted to uh, bring you my opinion of uh, how, how I think those kind of things work. Uh, yeah. c- crucial movies, important movies. Yeah, you have to start somewhere. Start inventing the wheel somewhere. <laughs> right. And uh, these this filmmaker invented... <laughs> I was about to say invented tits for the first time, but... <laughs> I got an idea, people. Ooh, what's that? Tits. (laughs) What are those? Yes. I like those. (laughs) Let's put them in more movies. I had violent bearing of tits, but this is different. (laughs) But anyway, the best scene in the movie actually is uh, the opening nighttime raid in day for night shots. Mm. Why the fuck don't they realize that if you shoot day for night, you don't show the sky? (laughs) But they like, god damn it! What's wrong with you? They, the filter doesn't, you know, uh, do the entire work for you. But uh, anyway, it, it's a it's easily part easily the best part of the movie. The type of scenario where the movie fries, you know, action and violence and uh, on the big uh, Shaw Brothers sets, and <laughs> it's even it's, it's it even opens in a, in a fun way, eerie way. I like the eerie dark. For night shot of the temple it was completely mm. black yeah. before they go in, go in there. And uh, combining the fun of identifying actors you've come to know via the shores or ones that will thrive later. I mean, you have Wu Ma in a fairly large henchman role. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fa Mei Cheng uh, from Magnificent Butcher and, uh, and Story of Ricky, which you're uh, about to see. Mm-hmm. He, he, he's uh, one of the uh, in, in the monk camp and Ku Feng is yes. uh, the Carpenter tortured by the gang, and you have yes. Cliff, Cliff Lock, uh, quite a little uh, cult here in the martial arts uh, movie community, is one of the, the character Wen's fighting assistants. Come Drink With Me is a eunuch villain. Uh, Chen Hung Le oh. is in it. Lily Lee is in it uh, from the likes of... Uh, well, she was in The Young Master with Jackie, uh, but also Shaw Brothers actresses, uh, actress. And the beautiful Li Ching from the magnificent trio, Muscle Man Cheng Loi from from the magnificent trio as well. It's good fun, and I, I for, for me, but the group choreography in its infancy is showcased in a delightfully gory way. So talk about that, King, when that hit you, and, because obviously you were kind of, whoa, this is this is cool.
3: Yeah, I mean, and in, in respect to Hong Kong cinema, it was like it was their special brand of over the top violence that the mm-hmm. cinema, you know eventually became known for I mean limbs are being hacked off and blood's yes. fucking spurting in the air It's like a Takashi Miike film almost <laughs> it, it surprised the surprise shit out of me I'm like I'm like you know night of nights was 1966 that's like 45 years ago mm-hmm. and I'm like holy shit you know and I tried to 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 think of um american films from the 60s that that were as violent and uh, I I I immediately thought of Bonnie and Clyde and The Wild Bunch. Bonnie mm-hmm. and Clyde was 67, and The Wild Bunch was 69. So this predated those those films, Definitely. and those were you know big landmark uh, American vi- fil- films in terms of violence.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, really you know browbeated because of, of of the violence. So this was before then. I mean, the 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 action and uh, is kind of different. This is more like fantasy like action, and where the the Wild Bunch and Bonnie and Clyde are. I guess they, they seem more realistic, more visceral.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, I mean, Bonnie and Clyde, the, the ending, and I, I don't think anyone dies in slow-mo, but uh, this was more, I don't want to say campy or cartoonish, but this was more um, exploitation violence.
0: Mm-hmm. But and, it was, and, and, and compared to, I, I should say this, the likes of Temple of the Red Lotus, and even on One of Swordsman. Yeah, violent, but this stands out compared to them, or oh, definitely come to with me, which I think is King Hu's influence. He wasn't really keen on uh, gory violence mm-hmm. and such, but uh, The Night of Nights is uh, working um, a little bit on its own in that regard, and it's not like. The ten other classics that uh, came before and since, you know what I mean? No, uh, no, it
3: felt very exploitational, especially with with the story with the the horny, dirty monks. They're they're kidnapping women to rape them in their underground lair. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's a pretty fucking trashy story for <laughs> the nineteen sixties. Definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that I mean, that was that was cool. Even though th- those monk scenes are never really approaching graphic territory, it's still no. definitely there. It's not um, you know something that it's only mentioned in half a second of dialogue, you know, right. you know what's going on there. That's very trashy, very and, trashy. Uh, you know, the group choreography um, is, is, you know, not refined, you know, um, action of its time. It's in its intense, uh, infancy, but mm. it, it helps when it's showcased in this delightfully gory way, uh, as you mentioned. And uh, I, I, I could imagine this increasingly familiar genre being spun in its head Via the violence, even mm-hmm. Be- before. Well, that, that's the... what
3: struck me. Um, I'm sorry. That's what struck me is that this this um, this wasn't like an, an erotic film, although the nudity was the, the, the kind of claim to fame, or the almost nudity was its claim to fame. Mm-hmm. This kind of was like a precursor of of violent films, of the action films mm-hmm. of Hong Kong's action cinema, not Hong Kong's erotic cinema.
0: Definitely, definitely, and then maybe this this came uh, a little bit from the director Sit Quan. Mm. Because as we talked about before, the the, the erotic uh, direction, if you will, ca- came a lot more from uh, from uh, other crew, including Chang Chien, the cameraman. <laughs> so <laughs> so who knows? Uh, Sitquan um, preferred uh, preferred this, uh, um, and it's way before the erotic scene is introduced. I think audience was like, "Whoa, we're in for a time here." Yeah. And uh. Uh, but but having said that, about the action being in its infancy, I think at times it's rather fast and exciting for its time Mm. and 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 i should say this massacre on the high standard shaw brothers sets you know it's easy to just um write the scene like that into a script Um, i'm on i'm totally on it gets me easily in the mood Mm. uh which is uh, the the magic of shaw brothers for for me it it uh, you don't have to do much sometimes to uh to to uh, delight me. But then you add like stuff like traps in the temples, you know, Room of Traps, yeah, yeah. another delightful genre staple. That I re- reminded that. reminded
3: me of, uh, of Burning Paradise. Uh-huh, oh yeah. I yeah. Yeah. remember, yeah, the, the traps. Oh, yeah. So that was awesome. Ringo Lamson, 97
0: movie. Man, that's a long time ago I watched that. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, me too. But, but you, you know, it's it's all over the martial arts genre, really. Uh, you know, w- watch any like Joseph Kuo Carter Wong movie where Carter Wong is trapped in. In uh, various room of traps, and they even do training. Uh, you have training chambers akin to that. Yeah. I think that's absolutely delightful. Yeah, uh, I, and, I think that too. And, and and actually well executed. It's not uh, they, they they do put some you know thought into creating creating those kind of scenarios. It's not cheaply made and fun just because it's there. It's actually pretty pretty cool uh, when spikes are approaching from all kind of <laughs> directions obviously something you see in adventure films uh, all around the world but uh, it's a it's a delightful genre staple uh, and uh, fire traps as well and uh, yeah you, know, you got a real cool feeling about this movie and they, the, the the first reel is easily the best part uh, actually uh, when when it's so so filled with sleaze and uh, and action and and gore and uh, i i liked actually that uh, the group of brothers the heroic brothers that you think are going to be the folks of the film all yes. all all die yeah. Die. <laughs> yeah, like these guys. These guys are gonna kick ass. I like. Uh, oh,
3: I like how the, the the beginning starts. There was already action that happened that we're not privy to. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're already storming this this uh this little town, and and they they communicate to the audience that you know well we're we're you know seeking revenge because they killed our brothers. You know, so action already happened. We're kind of we're kind of coming into the film in the middle of yeah. of this uh, this raid. So yeah. that that's pretty cool. I, I like that.
0: And uh, it's a good way to toy with audiences. So yeah. um, uh, I appreciated That it's uh, like kind of fun. Like stay. L- let's see if we can make them stay. Right. Uh, and, the, and the
3: beginning action scene is like it's really long. Yes. It's a good 10-15 minutes. You know the yeah. action scene goes on. Definitely.
0: That's really. I'm gonna pull up and see if um, there, there was. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. There was no action director or directors listed even in the credits on the um, on the DVD. So I, so I so I can't say who who was behind this. See if it was. So some people we knew or not, um, uh, but um, regardless, uh, well, well, well done. But uh, after all this is done, you you know, you have the more deviant side of the movie before its classic scene later on, and uh, again focusing a little bit more on the monks who via these ingenious traps, which is not really ingenious. It's like come here, come here, come here, come here, go here, go here, go here. Hello, go here. But uh, but I, I love it, 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 it's it's rather fun, it's easy, and I love the design of the stone underground lair. Yeah, uh, it cool. always comes up good at the shore facilities. Uh, you know, it, stones and you know uh, lit fires uh, yes. on the walls and all that. You know, it, it it doesn't look very friendly, but okay, my husband is down here, so uh, <laughs> and uh, it, it seems like an operation where some of the monks. Try to be balanced about what they're doing. Only in it for the kidnapping, which is mm. uh, for political reasons, really. Mm. Uh, but some live out their perverted pleasure. Obviously, you of know, course. Uh, we have all this power. Why really, not? Yeah. not? Yeah. Uh, none of which is on screen, but it's worth noting, though, that the exaggerated direction of actors playing perverts was quite the <laughs> same back in the 60s compared to like the 80s and 90s. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's always been a sole type of direction when it comes to this. You know. Right. You're a pervert. You're a rapist. <laughs> your motivation is, you know, uh, uh, So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a uh, it's great. But when I imagine it, the movie turns less interesting for you as well as it goes on. I mean, it, it focuses a lot more on pol- political intrigue and talk yes. and discussion. So right, right, right. Uh, so, what's your take on that?
3: Uh, I. Th- it. The violence kept up uh, a decent pace, but that that political intrigue that uh, Chang Che kind of puts into into the script, you know, the the political undertones, it did get kind of uh, kind of boring. Mm. Like it sl- slowed the film down uh, down a bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely when, when being talky and, uh, yeah, and yeah, I mean, whatever message or critique poti- potentially that is is in there, as written by Chang Che, I I can't pick up on to, to be honest. I, right, I me neither. No. Uh, so and maybe it was easily. Uh, interpreted by the current audiences, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at that time. But uh, it it's all bearable for a rather short movie. Thankfully, it is uh, below ninety minutes, if I remember correctly. And it, it jumps, you know, decently through its beat You know, and no, yeah. it doesn't linger too much on the stuff that doesn't work. And it's it's rather straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, and f- for for the genre, I, I don't know if you picked up on this uh, watching um, y- Shaw Brothers movies so far, but for the genre, it doesn't concern a way too high number of characters and twists <laughs> because in this swordplay Wu Chan movies it's like twists every 10 seconds almost at one point okay. uh, especially when you get to the Cho Yun movies you know Chow Yun who directed I- I- mm. Intimate Confessions when you get to the section of his career where he directed a lot of Gu Long novels uh, uh, made them into films there are twists galore and I'm I'm <laughs> thick to that extent that I, I can't follow them it's like uh-huh uh-huh Who's that? Uh-oh. Oh, oh. Now there's a different twist. Uh-oh. Oh. Who's that then? <laughs> it's actually fun. Now that I'm thinking of it, that kind of twist upon twist upon twist, they actually parodied that in the David Chang movie, Legend of the Owl, your latest movie. Did you ever see that?
3: No, I have the VHS. But it's actually,
0: seen. it's a fun little, as close to an airplane type of parody of, Oh really? Of, uh, of Hong Kong genre movies, particular swordplay and wuxia movies that I've ever seen. It actually works very, very well. It's directed by David Chang. I think he's in it. Eric Tsang is in it as well. Mm. It made in '81. I mean, I think. And uh, without revealing anything, it's actually t- t- towards the end. Th- there's that reveal that happens first, and they're like the characters in the movie, "Who are you? <laughs> we don't know you. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense." And then another reveal happens. No, we still don't get it. So someone was aware of short uh, shortcomings and genre staples, uh, right. if you will. <laughs> uh, so I do That's recommend cool. Legend of the Owl. It's on, uh, it's on Sales uh, DVD, so you can see it in widescreen if the tape isn't in widescreen. Okay, uh, cool. It's one of those wide, uh, super wide movies. So if the mm-hmm. tape has burned-in subs, maybe it's hard to. Uh, right, right. Uh, hard to read. So I do recommend the Sales DVD of that. Okay, um, cool. So anyway. Uh, amidst all this there's a really impressive sequence um, and we have not even reached the titties yet but the <laughs> pavilion destruction sequence is actually oh, right, super right, right, impressive yeah. it's super impressive uh, it looked to me like it is a mixture of a huge physical construction and a little bit of miniature work
3: miniature yeah yeah, that's, that's what I figured
0: but normally miniature work at this time is and miniature work really uh, is mm. very noticeable I think this mix was very impressive. It looked right. heavy and it looked like it genuinely was destroyed <laughs> and the reason it was destroyed obviously is that uh, assassination attempt that is uh, part of the uh, plot. Mm-hmm. Uh but uh, it's um the movie goes on from from that and it, I guess it's time to talk about that scene that uh, we've been building up and uh, <laughs> uh so my my thoughts on, thoughts on it. It's kind of mixed. Uh mm-hmm. actually Part of me likes it a lot, obviously. And par- part of me is not sure the connection between the character of uh, Wen Su-Chen and Lin Hong-Yu, Lily Ho's character. Right, It's right. genuine. I've, it seemed to be a mo- mo- lot more deeper than we ever get to find out during the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I-, I have a different take on that as well. Because... This scene happens where when when the clothes are about to dry and all of that, it happens after she thinks she's been raped. right, so kind of uh, obviously feels disgraced and uh, emotionally you know distressed and all that. Mm-hmm. and the emotional floodgates are kind of open maybe, you know what I mean uh, so she's not maybe not in control of everything and feels. Right. Very vulnerable. There's a vulnerable. sexual charge. Vulnerable. Yeah. And there's a sexual charge, possibly in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I don't know what your your take on 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 that is. Uh,
3: very very similar take. Uh, it was it was a rather it was like a tender scene. Mm-hmm. It was very respectful, quiet, quiet scene. It it, it didn't uh, appear to be heading in, in that sex direction. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, it was like I said, it was in in comparison to the violence in the film. It was just such a soft. Out of out of place scene almost,
0: a bit out of place yeah because yeah. the movie the uh, movie didn't hint that uh,
3: not yeah not but, in a bad way out of place I mean right. it's, but it, it, it it's a scene that added depth
0: to these two particular characters mm-hmm. you know the <laughs> the amusing standout aspect of this scene uh, again it's it's not something I think audiences uh, objected to at all is that it's kind of an opera performance yes as well. Right? it's Bay, you hear a song. Possibly written by Changchiao. You know, we mentioned that he wrote yes. songs for Moose as well. It's so—it's an opera performance um, based on an inner dialogue. So you right. hear it; it's not like it's they It's a, a narrative
3: of, of their their inner inner feelings. And,
0: and it's very literate. Uh, it was almost they, like a
3: Disney a Disney-like song. It was very you know upbeat and happy and loving. And and I, oh, I, I and, and like also Disney. very
0: literate. You know, the the they, mm-hmm. the translation anyway yes. is very literal. Uh, almost almost like they're the ones setting out to. To make a rhyme or anything, it was just like I feel this way towards him now, and I feel this way towards her now, and um, but but it's maybe correct too. It, it's uh, that, that translation, you know. Um, hmm. And uh, you know, we, we're leading into the, the bits that are still in the film, and they, uh, as soon as the shot happens, uh, they, they they cut away from the scene a little bit to a, a different action. I don't remember right now, but the cut back to the scene starts at. Lilyho's backside, naked backside, uh, no no uh, no bottom nudity as such, but uh, her her back is uh, exposed. She has her hair, long hair, exactly, and I that that's it. like like frozen into a scene. Whoa, right? It, it that was like gets that's the first yipties. Exactly. That's the birth <laughs> of the fucking yipties, <laughs> <laughs> and it was downhill from there. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> and it, but you know it gets eyebrows raised still today. You know, sure. imagine how it could be back then, mm. and. As for the cut part of this scene, the, the, this is merely my theory, uh, because we, we did we did explain that she you know embraces the character of Wen, you know uh, embraces her. Uh, she she's naked, obviously front as well, uh, uh, and embraces her. And I don't, don't think there was long uh, or even uh, full nudity at all. But that part of the scene is missing, and it's clearly a sequence that is a, a, a fantasy moment. She imagines what she wants to do in the scene you know be naked in his strong arms Mm -hmm. but but as it is now the 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 scene is very smoothly edited there's no evidence of censorship right uh we 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 could have been fooled into thinking this was complete but uh that's my take of what uh or theory about what, what what is missing but uh what do you think, and what, what do you think when this scene hits? You know, the, the, the key content we, we've been building up to. What, what do you think of the key content in the context of the scene in the film?
3: Well, uh, that's uh, that's very interesting. That it was uh, like her 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 fantasy uh, of of what could have happened.
0: Yeah, yeah. I rewatched it, and I couldn't find yeah. where the cut should be. It's the, very the, the, seamless. The, yeah. The, the, there's a still. Uh, on the DVD that is more visible than the uh, the, the one that is on the actual DVD cover the physical cover where they he glances over the the, the partition and you you, uh, and seems to see her Mm -hmm. you know her backside naked and she's drying her clothes and all that that part of the scene isn't in the movie might never been shot that way but that's one of the famous stills from the movie where he looks over uh, his shoulder essentially to see her but as for missing stuff, that, that's my take on it. Because Ma uh, Machinier described the scene being that, and I could only come up with that theory, that it's uh, a section that is kind of lifted out, mm-hmm. but they still managed to create a, smooth, uh, a smoothly edited scene. Despite I think the, the all that.
3: scene could work both ways. With, oh, yeah. with the nudity intact, or, or the way it is that, that, that we saw it, I, I, that's why I don't think the nudity had much of an impact on me as much as the violence did. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw this as a violent movie, not an, an erotic movie.
0: Definitely. Though I was
3: glad the erotica was, you know,
0: was there. Yeah, quota filled, quota filled. <laughs> Without nudity, I can't talk to Facebook about this movie because it would look me look bad. So thankfully I had nudity. Yay! <laughs> I built up a character. <laughs> I'm King Who. <laughs> uh, but yeah I, yeah, yeah, I do agree. And um, it's... Um, it's a... Uh, a scene that you know, without without it in the movie, it might have worked. Despite that, it. so mm-hmm. it's a it seems out of place, but it's not bad filmmaking as such. You know, not injected. You know, in a sloppy way. Uh, uh, and it's interesting to to study the beats a little, uh, a bit more slowly and a little a little bit more carefully. Mm-hmm. Now, b- because it is such a eyebrow-raiser and was at the time, Th- that's about as huge of an effect. To, to us that it has uh, that mm. it has now uh, I, I may know more notes about the movie after this but uh, because I think yeah it rebounds with a little bit of action but I think it peters out a little bit uh, as the movie goes on uh, right. short but yeah the good stuff definitely happens at the beginning mm-hmm. the middle is you know tolerable but not as interesting and, and you have that scene and after that the movie kind of ends it seems right, right. Uh, but then again I, I don't have more notes uh, about what happens uh, after yeah, that point, do you have, have any no? No, no, I just
3: <laughs> I just felt the the, the film turn
4: off. <laughs> yeah, the
3: film eject the film in general. It was just like I said earlier. It was, it was more of um uh, of an action film rather than a category three or or, or Shaw Brothers erotica yeah. film or what was to come. You know, in, in uh, Hong Kong cinema, it mm-hmm. felt more more action oriented than, than anything anything else. Yeah, and, which is not a bad thing because action no, no. really it was fucking great. You know, and it was like we said, it was violent. And, and that little, I didn't know of beforehand. That
0: yeah, uh, this guy was, was, was going to be that violent. Very uh, welcome. And because w- what I know of the uh, of the soap genre is uh, that it necessarily isn't that violent. So it was like, fucking hey,
3: It's right. cool. Well, like like American westerns, you know, they're they guns and people get shot, but you know, you don't really see the person get shot. They yeah. all of a sudden the the gun goes off, the sl- a little puff of smoke comes from the gun, and then the victim holds his stomach and falls to yeah. the ground. You know, you don't really see any blood or, and mm. this had blood in it. You know.
0: Yeah. And, and, and its certainly the worst swordplay movies yeah that had blood but the, the, this one stepped it up uh, definitely yeah. uh, I mean the, the more extensive gory swordplay movies kind of just uh, you know uh, settle with sprays of blood if you if you will yeah. you know the stuntman, Turns to the cameras. Obviously, the stuntman has a blood pack yeah. uh, in his midsection. Or when he turns to the camera squeeze the blood pack. You know, that—that that, <laughs> that was kind of extent of it. But they, this obviously had limbs hacked off and all that. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, that so, so it's a good little movie. I do recommend it uh, because it is short. If you're interested in swordplay movies, and and uh, you know, you you might get a kick of it. It's a minor, minor, cool little uh, entertaining movie. Yeah. And. Uh, Cari- the careers of the characters mainly Chang Chen and Lili Ho would definitely be you know uh, uh, it would be more impressive later on uh, for Chang Chen just around the corner
3: yeah yeah so it's a good uh, jumping off point yeah especially just for short enthusiasts
0: you know definitely definitely yeah, yeah. Ah! So with me, listeners, is my boy, and some, someone I was hoping to have on the main show as a uh, co-host, uh, but w- unfortunately, Mr. Stuart Sutherland uh, didn't have time and uh, possibly wanted to preserve his uh, humanity by not appearing on uh, the majority of this week's lease. Uh, and uh, good on him if that was the uh, if that was the uh, reasoning. I don't know. But I'm glad to have him on. And he's the man, of course, behind Podcast on Fire, was Korean cinema, Japan on fire, Commentary on fire, and finally joins us for the historical this week in Sleece. It's historical because he's on it, but it's historical because of the movie and topics we're talking about. So, Mr. Stuart Savalon, welcome to the dungeon. Hello, yes. 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 Are, are Very comfortable. <laughs> yes. Very don't, don't don't worry about the smell. We'll, we'll 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 we always take care of that when we leave. It's very uncomfortable to be here, Ken. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> have you thought of any? Have you thought of any any name for yourself that you want to have on this show? I mean, I'm Sleazy K. Jared is King Who. What do you want to be? Want to be, be sperm Oh uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, <not> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think. Just. Just two. Innocent one. the innocent one. <laughs> <laughs> the innocent one. Uh, I like that. Mm. We're gonna we're gonna ease you into into the world of sleaze, and you know it, it's <laughs> it, it, it's not too you know severe of a movie that we've chosen. Yeah, yes. uh, so the night of night, it is a soul play movie. So so in general, what's your thought on this movie that could be claimed started a lot of things? It bad, it all. At that time, I mean, no, no it's not all, but it bad a whole lot, and it became, you know, kind of a definition of a Hong Kong blue movie. But in general, what what did you take away from *The Night of Nights*?
1: Um, being completely honest, I thought it was quite boring. Uh-huh. Like I did, like I had a quite exciting opening, but I just I think it must have slowed right down, and I he hows how is how. Well, really, the movie was got chose for this show, and as I write, like, so there's. I was expecting something more behind it, and when we got to watching it, it's like, okay, it, it may be the first movie that kind of kicked off this genre eventually, but it was pretty like they could buy the copy I seen, but
0: I'm pretty sure there wasn't nudity. Well, well, well the thing is here. The, the scene isn't intact, as it is now. Uh, w- what I think is missing, no one really knows what exactly is missing, is during the scene where Lily Ho is drying her clothes and all that. Yeah. And you do see her backside nude, uh, nude and that. that's, you know, new for the time in itself. Mm-hmm. But there is a segment missing where essentially she f- a fan- has a fantasy about, you know, throwing herself naked into... The swordsman's arms you know because it's a comfort and uh, but as it is now the the scene isn't choppy you know you don't notice that anything is missing which surprised me so uh, and and stills suggest that there there was like a few seconds missing here the the main still that you can see on the DVD and in the stills on uh, on the DVD is essentially she You know, drying her clothes where she has that strategically placed in front of her, and Mm -hmm. him looking over his shoulder from across the partition between them. That might be part of what the the seconds that is missing, or just uh, a still that they shot during production, but not, you know, uh, a corresponding you know uh, setup in the movie, a camera setup. But essentially, that that when she runs naked into his arms, that that. There was never any full frontal nudity we were talking about, but Mm -hmm. still (laughs) a whole lot of different things in just one scene in what is a rather standard, as me and King talked about, a standard entry in the swordplay, Mm
4: -hmm. in in Mm -hmm. the
0: swordplay genre. So it didn't really ignite swordplay movies. That was, you know, Temple of the Red Lotus, Come Drink With Me was kind of the ones that kickstarted it. But I I can fairly agree that it's not very special. At all, but 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 the opening is uh, unusually, you know, gory. You know, uh, not just your regular Short brothers, gory, where the stunt ma- men squeeze the blood packet and then turn to the camera. Mm-hmm. You know, you have limbs. Uh, so so what so what was the opening like with all the heroes that go into the mo- uh, monastery and the heroes die? Mm-hmm. It was almost
1: one of these things where we were actually watching the movie backwards. Because it did look like the final attack, and all this happened, and people were getting dropped left, right, and centre, and... It was, it was just basically looking like this massacre It was just going to basically they were going to finish at this point. And then they were thinking, like, well, this is our heroes being cut down. Like, little known that there's actually, the one survivor is basically the one we follow, but... Mm-hmm. It still got to a point where it's like, Jesus, they weren't even really good assassins to begin with. <laughs>
0: They're just getting <laughs> easily put down. And photogenic heroes as well, because you know, oh here's our heroes. Here's the well well, here's our he- hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no hero. <laughs> uh I I dig that though, but uh then the the movie turns talky essentially after yeah. that. Um uh, so and, and political uh all the, all the you know may, maybe there's political message in there by chang che wrote the script but uh, does it ever rebound for you a little bit or is it a decline after a first pretty good scene or what do you think
1: mm, i think it, it really actually it's just on a decline from there uh-huh. it's <laughs> surprisingly strange it just didn't
0: do much for me right I, I I can totally see that, and I'm am not super wild about the movie. I, I do like certain segments a whole lot, and uh, and I'm actually weak for swordplay movies of this kind. I I like I like those kind of movies. I like them on the Shaw Brothers sets, mm-hmm. which kind of is. I shouldn't really be reviewing such movies, therefore, because I automatically like a feel. You know what I mean? Uh, just like you know, we like a a Hopping Vampire movie just because they have Hopping Vampires. You know, it's enough, mm-hmm. kind of. Aye. But, uh, what do you feel about swordplay movies, you know, in general, and these fantastical swordplay movies from Shaw Brothers uh, based on your experience so far?
1: Um, I think that's where a lot of it actually came from in the sense that I really wasn't that high on them to begin with.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I Like, the UK did get a short buzz of Shaw Brothers movies through... <coughs> Uh, through Momentum Asia mm-hmm. and they had released uh like heroes to
0: right which is not really sword no no and such but, but uh, the, the bigger ones... Trio I think it was, was
1: Yes Magnificent Trio the heroic ones and yes. Death Duel. Right. All three of them I've started and all three of them I turned off right like, like without that. finishing just because just nothing.
0: Right well, well what sort of things aren't for you that's obviously a very clear and uh and and you're obviously not the viewer thankfully that feels like well people say it's important so i have to experience it because you know if if anyone is that kind of viewer then you know kind of shame on you and too bad for you you know <laughs> i i can say yeah. i'm not too wild on the likes of seven samurai i'm i, I wasn't <laughs> blown away by that movie when i saw it uh, f- to change uh, uh cinema before mm-hmm.
1: I did, uh, part of me still kind of aches in the sense that it's like, you should really maybe give these other films a second chance. Like, you could, thankfully, like, the doors aren't closed now. You could still rent DVDs. You could still get access to these movies after you get rid of them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So there's always, like, that second chance when someone when you know's watched it and, like, has went mental. They've loved it and you're like, fuck, maybe I've, maybe I gave up too quickly, but.
0: Well, what is that? But I think you can be encouraged as well by, uh, not, you know, kind of motivated again. Like, oh, yeah, I would like to rather than I didn't give it a proper chance before. I think there's no, there, there are cases, of course, when you're in a bad place when trying to watch a movie, you're not in the mood. But, uh, you know, uh, uh I would base it all like on your on your like desire to like try try out some you know ask around you know what what are like three really cool soul play movies from from the sixties from sure Brothers and see if that you know tickle your tickle your curiosity further mm but 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 having said that, you had the privilege of seeing you know a classic soul play actually Woosha on the big screen, and that was one on swordsman yes, yes. And that that is one of my my favourites, funnily enough. Mm. But 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 it is different, you know. It has you know it, it's a bit deeper. It's a bit you know a bit more human, and mm-hmm. uh, it's you know a more affecting story too. Yeah,
1: yeah. But I've I've only really seen like a handful of Chan Che films, like along as you said, like one armed swordsman, and he-
0: he- the rest, too, yeah.
1: Yep, yep, and as you said, like the rest, really like deviate away from swordplay because it is the more traditional films of like Heroes Two and Blood Brothers, right? Um, Five Venoms, Chinatown Kids, mm-hmm.
0: and one of the more
1: obscure ones was uh, the Seven Man
0: Army. Right, yeah, it's big, it epic epic. Uh, that's kind of fun. Uh, not in any way a good good movie, but uh, it's big. Mhm. Uh, but but yeah, I agree. I mean, he he did leave uh, swordplay I- in the vein of the Magnificent, magnificent Tree or One on Swordsman behind, uh, definitely. Uh, I still prefer his uh, period back in the 60s, personally, and up until uh, mid-70s, essentially. But I was always curious. How, how did you find One on Swordsman, you know, as as a... Did, did you like it as a drama, and was it cool to you know, was the Shaw Brothers feel cool to you in any way?
1: I think it was just, uh, it is like the, just these really old-timey sets, Uh where it is like, like the background always seems to be the perfect, like, sunset. Like, they have like a pink sky, and there's always these, like, petals falling off the trees, and they do come up with, like, like picture perfect sets
2: mm-hmm.
1: or what what like what would look like a stage like a a play, yeah but that exactly. mm-hmm. but it's it does i think that always is, is just part of their charm of the old Shaw brothers movies
2: mm-hmm.
1: whereas like and it does sometimes open up to like the, yeah. the grander scales like where they would do actually go out and onto the lot, whereas like basically a town has been built inside the studio mm. Mm-hmm and
0: yeah movie town mm-hmm. as it uh, it's known and that big land uh, we, we said this on the show that land even if it was expensive to buy it must have paid off pretty well you know co- considering the you know the giant that shaw brothers was uh, mm-hmm. even in the 60s i mean they were big in the 60s and 70s primarily aye so uh, you know, uh, I I would like to know that. So if any l- listener know if if there's a fact somewhere that this land in the new territories was bought, you know, relatively cheap, com- you know, considering them, then I would love to know that because uh, that that's the deal of the deal of the century. That. So, uh, but uh, did did you get a chance to watch like of of drink with me? Any? I've not. No. Right. Okay. It's it's rather, you know it's a style that too a very you know, we're picking opera style and samurai movie style in terms of build-up towards action, but action is always very short. You know, mm. there's always a few slashes, I- even one slash and then a fight is over, but the build-up is always cool to me. But, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't mean that it should be and is automatically cool to 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 everyone out there. Still th- th- these are still costume movies, they're old movies and uh, sometimes not super accessible to all, new audiences, you know.
4: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. But but I think that's why One on Sourceman works more because it's, uh, you know, the way, if you remember the beats of the story, the way Yiming Wang Yu is, uh, you know, he's taken in, uh, into a family and that s- mm-hmm. family and the uh, daughters and the cousins or what have you, they, they become jealous and ex- essentially, you know, cast him out and, mm-hmm. and cut his arm off in the process. So, so I think that I read somewhere that that spoke to youths uh, at that time. So it, it isn't, mm. you know, it isn't necessarily, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it has some message that can travel to more modern audiences.
1: Yeah. Hopefully there will not be a statistics of women buying choppers on the increase.
0: No, I hope, hope <laughs> not that effect. It seems like it never had that effect, thankfully, since 1967.
1: Mm. Like a report about like domestic violence between married couples or husbands are left with severed arms.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but man, what iconic cinema that, um, uh, you know, I, I know we get stuck on one on swordsman, but I just love any scene set in snow and especially on the inside sets at Shaw mm-hmm. Brothers. And that famous scene where he loses his arm is set in snow. Mm-hmm. Which is always you know, uh, iconic to me when when the environment is uh, changed up rather than the usual, you know, fight out in the open, way too warm new territories, the Young Master style, the six Chamber of Shaolin style, that open, blazing hot <laughs> environment. Yes, yes. Uh, that That is an actual environment, obviously, aye, outside, aye. and they are sweating like motherfuckers in mm-hmm. those scenes, you know. Do one move and like the clothes are, you know, <laughs> <laughs> soaked already. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's all, it's all good fun. I, uh, I want to ask you briefly if you, uh, w- because I was fascinated by this, like, brief scene in, in the Night of Nights, uh, and I was so impressed with it, and, uh, I don't expect anyone to, like, you know, stand beside me, like, yeah, I agree with you, Ken, and all that, but the scene I'm talking about is the, uh, the, uh, uh the pavilion of a pagoda that they rig to, uh, rig to crumble mm-hmm. in the movie. I thought that was so well done. It
1: was,
4: yeah, uh,
0: incredibly well mixed. Mm-hmm. You know that mini work, miniature work, and and a, looked like a big ass build. Aye,
1: and it did. It really looked like the first, like one. Well, one of the first occasions I know, short brothers using that sort of technology, where mm-hmm. it did look like they were. It almost just kind of looked like they were superimposed onto the background, like the fall. Where it's just them um, jumping, like mm. coming off of the pagoda, and it, it does. I'm pretty sure it's all conveyed in the trailer, but it does just look like a a really cool
0: big stunt. Definitely, and uh, uh, I, I was just so be, be, because you, you get so desensitized when when you learn more about movies that you how oh, they did it that way, that way, and that way. I know how they did that. It's still cool, but I know how de- how they did that. That was one scene. Remember an old movie that <clears I> was <throat> like that was. That was fucking impressive. I'm not sure how they did that, actually. hmm so, so it's all cool to be, like, uh, stunned still by uh, by movies, you know? So, Mr. Stuart Sutherland, that wasn't too bad, was it? To be on the Sleaze Show? <laughs> we, we, were um. kind of, we were kind of kind to you, Sperm Stuart. I mean, Stuart. Oh, sorry, I get I get caught up in the this, Sleaze. This hmm
1: See, uh, it might be a good thing where to take the show in small bites where you don't feel that creeped out afterwards, like getting off Skype and that. But I, I, I feel dirty. I, I might be able to hold my breath and try it in like an hour or two. You know, just like hold the nose, just try and let
0: some of the really creepy jokes pass. <laughs> try and focus on the films. But yeah, man, nervous, I, uh, nervous titter in the end, uh, in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm calling the police, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's borderline legal. I'm sitting, covering up the webcam on this laptop so <laughs> it never comes into play. It's never asked to be put on. I want to have a montage of your horrific, you know, uh, horrific. Uh, uh, Screwed you know. up faces, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Did he just say? <laughs> Did he just say, cunt rag? <laughs> But uh, what do you think? Uh, uh, if you had a chance to listen to like w- one of the shows all the way through, uh, what do you think of it? The, the one that y- the one show on the network that you are not as much on.
1: Um, I do like it. It I is like it's actually the only show I listen to on the network, in the sense that I hate listening to myself. That's common. I
0: mean. So I, I, I like listening to me. <laughs> so I, I'm the biggest fan of the network.
1: <laughs> so in the sense that. I could listen to something off the podcast network that doesn't actually involve me, and it is purely like down to the vein and like, all, like Hong Kong cinema, and, like or films that I'm familiar, that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. So, I I, I I highly enjoy the show. I'm definitely still like I'm <laughs> I've listened to it in a strange pattern where I'm halfway through Sex and Zen and halfway through Naked Killer. Mm-hmm. So yeah,
0: I am. I'm catching up. Please come on again, man, and uh, b- build a character, create a character <laughs> in, in the, this week's in Sly's uh, little uh, little uh, cellar and dungeon that we created for ourselves here.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: It's uh, it's a bit dark in here. It's a bit uh, bit smelly, but uh, we like it. We like it. Me and King can stay here for hours, but uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, blame you if you wanted to leave uh, after an hour. <laughs> uh, and still, still see see some sun, and see if you still retain your have your humanity intact. Yes. someone on the network has to. <laughs> but yeah, cheers to you for coming on, and I uh, hope it can be on an entire three-hour uh, epic uh, show sometime. So, I no problem, man. Thanks. All right.
3: So there, there was another movie uh, a year before the night of nights This was 1965, and actually. Uh, through my research, uh, I found out The Crocodile River was released 46 years ago yesterday, as of this recording. Whoa. Which, yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool. So, A Crocodile River is a Shaw Brothers film, and it was Lo Wei, the director Lo Wei, his first film for the Shaw Brothers. And uh, this movie is, it's, it's a kind of a chore to sit through, which is a straight-up riff on the Romeo and Juliet story. You know, that old, tired story. Yeah. You know, concerning star-crossed lovers and the warring families and, you know... This time it's it's set in uh, in in Thailand, I believe, and I watched this. Yeah, uh, you know, well, Thailand. go. It's
4: different from <laughs> in
3: the '60s, but yeah, there weren't many many lady boys in this one. Uh, <laughs> but I watched the uh, the VCD, the celestial VCD, and uh, as you know, the back cl- the back cover claims it's a romantic tearjerker, but uh, I'm not so sure about that. But uh, upon first sight, it's definitely geared toward the female crowd. Mm-hmm. And, it's, you know, it's, it's innocuous enough and uh, seemingly only memorable for, which shocked the shit out of me, it's nudity. And I want to give a shout-out to, to my friend Glenn on, on Facebook. He's the one who pointed me in the direction, uh, much as Yi uh, helped us, uh, to Crocodile River. If, if, you, if you're a Shore Brothers fan and you look at the cover of Crocodile River, you'd fucking throw that thing right back in the, in the bargain bin. <laughs> it's two people on a fucking boat. It's a drama. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of tough to sit through. Mm-hmm. But uh, you, got, you kind of go in knowing that it's a, a romantic drama, and I, I think the, the Show Brothers knew that they needed to spice things up a bit to placate, you know, the male crowd and make some money off uh, off of this played-out, often-told tale of, the, you know, Romeo and Juliet. So, you know, we do get some minor fisticuffs and even, you know, some kick kickboxing. It's all staged really fucking poorly. A, a little gunplay uh, is involved, but like I said before, the, the, the nudity seems to be like the only uh lasting memory and uh the film's claim to fame. Uh, so uh I I'd like to get to the nudity. How about that? Want to get to the nudity? Okay. So I'm going to sound like you know what? I'm going to sound like fucking Mr. Skin here and it kind of kind of pisses me off cuz my notes are all just it's like describing the fucking nudity. So please, you know, God love Mr. Skin, but uh, I I sound really smarmy.
0: Me- <laughs> D- <laughs> D- David, David Lamb, if you're listening. Do a doodle of what Mr. Skin would look like. Oh, <laughs> I would love to see that. That's a mascot maybe. Mr. Skin. <laughs> hey, I'm Mr. Skin. I'm Mr. Skin and
1: the boobies and
0: this Hello. and that
2: and then Hello, this Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh, Hi kids. Welcome to Sesame Street. I'm Mr. Skin. Whoa! <laughs> Jim so, Henson, uh, what are we on? Sorry. So uh, there are about three uh, scenes in the movie
3: where there's rather a fair amount of nudity, and this is a fucking 1965 drama, uh, you know, a female drama. So the, the actress Lao Longwa, who, who had a brief appearance in The Night of Nights, but I don't know who the fuck she played, hmm. but uh, here she plays a, a, seduct- a seductress intent on snagging our hero away from his ill-fated lover. So the first time we meet her is when Paul Cheng Chung, who is our, you know, our male character, hmm. uh, our hero, if you will, he accidentally walks in on her as she showers. And he opens the shower door, it's like this massive outdoor shower, and we see what is likely a body double, you know, her backside and side breasts Mm -hmm. with a surprising bit of nipple. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we don't see it from the neck up, so I'm assuming that, you know, it's a body double. That's standard issue, you know, when Mm -hmm. the head's not in the shot, the face isn't in the shot, that's usually uh, a telltale sign of a body double. Yeah. So here are the first few few seconds of nudity in the film, and it's a fair amount of this body double's backside and brief breasts that, that you see, you know. So a little later on, I guess her her body double is at it again, and uh, she hits the screen and decides to take a skinny dip, which I'm all for. Yeah. So uh, we we then kind of see like a medium to a uh, long shot of her backside and side breasts as she walks uh, towards the lake and, and jumps in. And the final scene of nudity involves the lead actress, Li Ting, and her body double, as, again, we don't see uh, Li Ting's face in, in any of these scenes. So as, as the scene goes, um, the director, Lo Wei, he also plays... Uh, Lee Ting's overbearing father in the film. Hmm. So uh, upon finding out that she she has been defying his orders by canoodling with, you know, our hero, he orders her into her room, takes away all of her clothes and her drawers and her closet, and demands she strip naked, which is, I guess, uh, applause for me. <laughs> so uh, so she does so. She hands over her clothes, you know, the clothes that she was wearing, and he locks her in her room. So as she sobs, you know, we see he lean up against the wall, and we get a full, a full view of her nude backside. So that's, that lasts a few seconds. So the action cuts away to some other shitty exposition, and then we return to Li Ting's bedroom where we see her lying face down on her bed, and this is like a full-length body shot where we, we uh, you know, again, we see her her backside. And then she suddenly springs up from the bed and begins to tear at her bed sheets. So as she does this, we see her backside in full view for a good 10, 15 seconds as, you know, before she wraps the, uh, the, the sheet around herself. You know, now for a Chinese film like we said of 1965, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of nudity, Seems
2: like, and that, yeah. that's a
3: full year before the Night of Night nudity. Wow. So yeah, to have such an abundance of nudity on display is, I, I thought was kind of interesting, for this time for this time period and and the audience. Hmm. You know, like it's it's a it's a drama. You know, this isn't a, a an exploitation film. So I thought that was, that was pretty cool, and uh, this was of course a, a co-production, as uh, Show Brothers were wont to do in in. Uh, this this time period. So I don't believe that the Hong Kong audience got the uncut version, the one that I saw. Mm-hmm. You know, it was probably, you know, it was on offer, you know, in other Southeast Asian markets. But probably and, in and, Thailand, and because it was set in Thailand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it
0: uh, seemingly didn't make an impact either. I, I did ask Ma, Ma about it, but yeah. uh, it, it seemingly didn't make uh, uh, akin of imp- that that much of an impact, akin to the Night of Nights in terms of, uh, you know, s- setting things into motion. But uh man it's interesting to to know that uh, there was another movie kept, yeah. uh, hidden and uh right. it may and not be the first bit of nudity in no, Hong Kong not, film no. but uh yeah. The um Lowe as director as a minor site, not very exciting as a director. Maybe Shaw no. Brothers work is a little bit better than his uh, uh Golden Harvest work, mainly his Bruce Lee work uh, big mm-hmm. boss uh, Fist of Fury. Right, but um you know can be a tolerable director, can be a fucking boring director. <laughs> long, long, long movies. Uh, way too long uh, uh, sometimes. But uh, uh, there, there, there was a Cheng Pei Pei movie he directed that was really good. I think it was called None of the Brave or so, something like that. Very long movie too, but uh, I guess it kind of helps that he has Cheng Pei Pei in it. It's a Golden Harvest movie. Okay. Uh, but... Uh, uh, then you have, like, uh, movies like Back Alley Princess, I remember. <laughs> uh, comedy with uh, Sam Hoy, is it? And uh, uh, Polly Poly Kwan. Okay. <laughs> I think I watched the first VCD, fast-forwarded through the rest. I mean, this is a comedy. You don't do it for two hours. You're no, not geez. Korea. Uh, so, Lo Wei, not a big fan. Made some semi-cool movies, two cool movies. um uh, I haven't seen too much of a Shaw Brothers work, but um,
3: no, no, it's the, a popular name. He's a well-known name. Yeah, of course. In, uh, in, in film, yeah,
0: but but that's for the Bruce Lee movies. It's clear that mm-hmm. the, the best parts of him and the vis uh, of that those movies and the vision behind those movies wasn't from him. Right. Nor was from the action director that was uh, normally on his film. Uh, this guy called Han Ying Che plays the big boss in the Big Boss. Uh, okay, it's, it was Bruce Lee, so. Right. Uh, but yeah, cool, cool. Thanks for bringing up Crocodile uh, River. It's uh, um,
3: it was my ca- pleasure.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess it was. Was it a long movie? By the way, was
3: it? It was about a, you know a 90 minutes, but oh, it, right. like okay. it's, it's it's drama. It's it's it's, it's I don't want to say chick flick because that's kind of a shitty term, hmm. but it was it was geared toward the females and the nudity was was for the males to get the males and the to to tag along with the ladies to the to the cinema.
0: Yeah, there you go alrighty should we talk about some proper nudity then of course (laughs) we'll be more on your behalf actually as I'll explain but uh, Uh after the break last lazy movies watch let's have fun welcome back after a break. No more Shaw Brothers, I think anyway. I'm, I'm not going to talk Shaw Brothers, <laughs> but it's lastly C-movies watched and, um, you know, I don't have any adult beverage this time, but uh, do do bring bring your adult beverages by this point because you sat through, you know, the information and the informative stuff, the, the education, and now you can relax with us. And uh, now it's, you know, it's not the Night of Nights anymore. Now it's the Night of Nights of <laughs> Slaus-Lisi movies. Watch. Uh, mine, maybe not as much, but uh, fuck you all. I'm going to talk about it anyway. Deadly Silver Angels. And it's ID IT time again. That is Ooh. presenting complete Taiwan movies. Again, as, as I'm currently covering on SoGoodReviews.com. And this will be one of those. Not sure what it's called originally. But it's uh, from that era of Taiwan cinema that I love, early 80s, uh, late 70s, early 80s. You've heard the term Taiwan black movies, uh, possibly. And uh, there's a lot of cool movies on Taiwan that I hope people are uh, discovering uh, with me as they read uh, the reviews of the likes of uh, Deadly Darling, a.k.a. Lady Avenger. And uh, at the time of recording, the latest one I put up in this series of IFD in Taiwan, if you will, is Fury in Red, which is... Uh, a.k.a. Girl with a Gun uh, The original Taiwan movie movies called that and it's a remake of Abel Ferrara's Miss 45 and a r- damn good remake too so uh, um, I hope you find these movies cool and if you don't then I still do and, and that's all I care about my my own <laughs> It's all for my benefit really to uh, to experience this this to experience these movies again I've seen them, but it's a delight to see them again and write a whole lot more about them so Deadly Silver Angels it's, as I said, sans any editorial tampering from IFD, i.e. no Western plays inserted into it as, you know, no Richard Harrison as a ninja inserted into it or a Mike <laughs> Abbott or a Stuart Smith or Pierre Kirby, all of who are great. Uh, out of that stable of actors from IFT, I love Mike Abbott a lot, and and he, he's in Hong Kong movies every now and again mm-hmm. P- Possibly more famously, uh, more famously in Fatal Termination He's the guy who holds out the little girl out of the window of a speeding car mm. uh, That's Mike Abbott, psychotic Mike Abbott <laughs> <laughs> uh, So, yeah uh, Who knows though, because I, if they bought the dead, this Deadly Silver Angels and, and uh, presented it intact at one point, they might have because they have before uh, cut it up and pasted that, uh, Westerners into it to make another movie. You know, savvy yeah. business tactics. If you have it, use it. You know, if you can spend little money on a product that sells, then do that. It's savvy business tactics. That's that's all there is. But at this point in 1980. Free when it was released by ift i think it's a year or two early in taiwan if you look at at the movie uh, but again i can't find it in databases um, uh, you know uh, looking up elsa jung she's in the movie i can't find it in databases and trying to make the connection that way but it's sold as a generic well not sold as it is a generic gangster action where the woman or the women comes in and saves it but not in the way you think though Despite the stills on on the cover that I got, the VHS cover from Japan I got, uh, has Elsa Jung training her army of women in their bikinis on a beach. <laughs> but it's not as ex- exploitation-y as that. Uh, the brief plot goes after Big Boss Lao is killed, his grieving daughter Angel Lao, and this is Elsa Jung, who was in, among other things, Golden Queen's Commando for Chuyenping. And also pink force commando and also mm. challenge of the lady ninja which was a movie by Lee so Nam. another mm. bit of fun uh, time on filmmaking yeah yeah uh, that, that was a movie that was uh, actually ended up in at film mark they have a rival company to ifd and a movie they also presented intact so challenge of the lady ninja is a really really cool one uh, she obviously swears to avenge her father after um, by going after the rival boss fung and this is a uh, a taiwan actor called wang xie or if you pronounce his name that way and if you see his face you probably recognize him he's in a lot of movies w- often playing bad guys to some extent uh, and an uh, elder actor could play an el- elder big boss if you will uh, mm-hmm. and he's in uh, wolf and ninja actually wolf devil woman plays the villain as it turns out in that one there's a master villain in wolf devil woman and it turns out to be him uh, angel has a respectful connection with one of Fung's right-hand man and d- this is Jimmy Lee played by the actor with the English name Eagle Lee <laughs> maybe uh, maybe uh, an English name IFD invented because they invented English credits for their movies but uh, Elsa is credited as is and Eagle Lee is Eagle Lee uh, he was present when her father her father, was assassinated but they do have a respectful connection because she knows and thinks and believes that he had nothing to do with it it was just coincidence so Angel goes to work recruiting an army of capable women to go after, go after Fung. And uh, this includes the five Amazons gang with uh, pretty nifty tattoos on their backs. And this gets showcased, obviously, I am. And then they, they identify her by showing her the tattoo on her back. You know, I am tiger. And then she has a tiger on her back, a large tattoo of a tiger. That's cool. Very uh, cool. Uh, in I, at IFD in 1983, you could say that they were at a crossroads. Because they started out buying and releasing Korean-made martial arts movies uh, dubbed with different titles. And they weren't uh, inserting westerners into movies yet. There were no ninja craze yet. Mm -hmm. So in 1983, this is a time where they were still uh, presenting complete movies. But even the credits seem genuine because there's a bunch of Chinese names in, in the main cast and crew. Rather than the otherwise standard of making up hilariously odd Western names for uh, for their credits. They, they might have kept one or two, that was true, but otherwise it was like, you know, production designer, you know, uh, Clarence uh, Lau, uh, <laughs> you know, Rudolph uh, Kim. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, you know, wow. Uh, seemed like <laughs> fun for them, though, to do that. But, and even the dubbing company is different for for deadly silver angels it was always aav creative unit that dubbed these movies they always said english version aav creative unit there's a different dubbing company in these credits uh, made up or not so and, and thank god for the movie being able to stand on its own despite a shaky way too generic star start it's, an, it's a generic gangster movie uh, but but eventually it uh, delivers like fast-paced Sort of generic entertainment spiced up with female fury. No nudity <laughs> in the film, but fury, and that's sexy in its own way. You know? but, but it starts out quite raunchy during the pre-credit sequence with <laughs> nude dancing with a touch of class and experimentation at a club. You know, it's <laughs> pretentious <laughs> dancing. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's strange. And you hear a uh, voiceover that says that Hong Kong is a paradise of adventure and center of scum. Oh, it's oh, awesome. It's absolutely <laughs> awesome. This dance is at a club that uh, Big Boss Fung goes to or owns, I guess. But that's about as clear connection to the movie as uh, uh, as this has. Again, from the original movie. you know, No IFD inserting of nudity all of a sudden. But it, it, it's quite... It's quite bearable to, to watch the Lee character fight competently. He gets the majority of the good action choreography choreografi- choreography in the film, and he rises through the ranks at at Fung's uh, at Fung's uh, gang, and th- that's not boring. But it's clear when Elsa Jung is introduced and goes on her mission that director uh, Jung Chi Chu has confidence and flow and the most movie energy to spare, and you you. And you know if a switch is uh, th- about to happen you know a switch is about to happen because you you've perhaps seen the vhs and the stills of uh, of the women in their bikinis at a beach and uh that switch is akin to deadly silver angels finally you know delivering the most uh the most intensely so the movie starts going aggressive on us with the visual style and and in particular i'm weak for (laughs) when the five amazons and their tattoos are introduced as i (laughs) as i said with the quick zoom ins and uh, it's just wonderfully aggressive i'm I'm weak for certain aspects in films this is one when it's done in the name of fun and not pretentiousness and i mentioned earlier in the podcast that i'm weak for certain inclusions in the swordplay genre but the the best pieces of celluloid in the movie is obviously the montages at a beach where the gorgeous women are training uh, in their sexy bikinis of course and it's akin to obviously playing up this material for the male crowd but (laughs) it is a strong movie for women Uh, aside from you know a horrible slight rape attempt, rape is always horrible obviously, Mm -hmm. the the movie focuses more on the female heroes and them being capable in the action uh, department and the only thing missing would be creative training machines kind of out of a period martial arts movie brought into the modern setting so it was a shame they never thought of that but it's more of a physical workout for the ladies uh, during the training montages and you have some camera work and angles for the male crowd i guarantee you that Uh, again no nudity but uh, you know shots right that focuses right on their crotch Uh, I'm all for uh, that. That's good filmmaking. But them being capable in the action department results in some cool knife, gun, and bike-wielding violent ladies. It's actually some cool action sequences (laughs) where they attack uh, the gangster boss with uh, with bikes, with uh, motorbikes. Awesome. So, uh, summing it up a little bit, uh, you know, mixing up this mentioned triad movie, generic content, if you will, it's true that, though that director Chung Chi Chu doesn't evoke any feelings of boredom. You know, it's lean, it's quick, Eagle Lee is inserted every now and again to raise the quality of the action and the increased level of brutal violence adds to a very sellable time carrying the IFD brand name. This brutal action concerns a, an ending where, uh, with a lot of knife action and a lot of stabbings by the ladies and they're stabbed as well, a few of them, and it's really you know, hard and hard and gritty, which Mm -hmm. I like. Uh, And Deadly Silvations is even highly iconic with Elsa Jung at the top, you know, being very cool and confident with uh, the gorgeous, somewhat minimally clothed women by her side. (laughs) But, you know, possibly in a naive way, I personally see it as a fine example of capable women on film. I'm, you know, I'm not expecting anyone to agree with me on that one. But uh, thus, though, the taiwan cinema of this specific era late 70s early 80s has another product to be proud of and it's another movie that's unfortunately hidden but we'll add it to the taiwan black movies list <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> that we're trying to compile awesome. so not as easy as you might think but the IT is is awesome and uh, taiwan movies of this time are awesome as well mm. but uh Okay, you gotta fill the actual category que- free quota for us, uh, King. So,
3: oh lordy, yeah, I have I have, a, I have a doozy here. Alrighty, so uh, this episode, um, my last sleazy movie watch is the utterly tasteless, tasteless Lan Kwai Fong swingers Ooh. from 1993, and utterly tasteless translates into fucking amazing. <laughs> of
0: so course, th- this course, as it should.
3: <laughs> as it should. Written and directed by some dude named Chung Chung Chi, if that is his or her real name, I doubt it, because this is just uh, a magnificent piece of trash that they should be fucking ashamed of themselves <laughs> by making, and I'll, I'll get to that later on. These fucking dirtbag filmmakers have balls of steel, <laughs> and I don't know how they fucking sleep at night, but I'll, I'll get, that. I'll get to that to that later. So this beautiful piece of shit stars uh, a few Category 3 heavyweights, the gorgeous Rina Otomo, uh, Choi Bo Lun. Lily lily Lee Lee, Lee. <laughs> which is the fucking, which such an awesome name. But she stars in what? a bunch of category three movies, but what she never gets fucking English naked.
0: What name should I guess? <laughs> mm. Yeah, Lily. Well, I'm Lee. called Lily. Yeah, Lee,
3: it rolls off the tongue so perfectly.
0: Yeah, you you pronounce it for twenty seconds at a time. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I have a seizure. So uh, she she stars in a bunch of category three movies, but she never gets fucking naked. And you know, fuck you, Lily 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 Lee. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it piss, pisses me off Because she's always like the, the, the main attraction in the movie And she doesn't get her kid off man So what the hell's what's up with that Always piss me off And of course everybody's favorite dirty bastard Charlie Cho Charlie, yeah. Is in the film as well <laughs> okay, so let's start off with... Star uh,
0: of Jonitos Punished, or Johnny <laughs> Punished. You know, I, I'm, I'm, really,
3: I'm curious to how much screen time he's going to have in yeah, that, in that movie. He's in
0: the making of, so at least yeah, yeah,
3: that's awesome. They, yeah, they give him a mention, so that's that's pretty cool. So so anyway, let's start off with a little bit of history on uh, Kwai Fong. Now, I've never been to Hong Kong, I've never been to Kwai Fong, or LKF, as they they sometimes refer to it, but Kwai Fong is an area on Hong Kong Island. It's like a small elbow-shaped street, or an L-shaped street, and it's home to, like, a slew of bars and clubs, and it's, like, a hot night night spot for uh, a bunch of expats to hang out, drink, and party, and incidentally, a, a friend of mine, who's from the UK, he, he's uh, in Hong Kong, and he, he teaches, and, uh, every now, every uh, once in a while, he hangs out with a bunch of friends in Lan Kwai Fong, so he, he digs the uh, the nightlife scene there. So, uh, and you've probably seen Lan Khoi Fong featured in a ton of films without knowing it, mm-hmm. but uh, there was also another film to utilize Lang Kwai Fong, and his title, it's this fucking chirpy bar whore drama. 97 Lang Kwai Fong,
0: yeah, I saw directed that.
3: by yeah. yeah by fucking Hack Cho How.
0: Yeah, I can't stand. Was, he directed uh,
3: the Hong Kong Showgirls. That fucking thing pissed me off. I wanted to commit suicide watching that thing.
0: But also Phantom of Snake, uh, which uh, is all a little right, right.
3: movie. So um...
0: right, he's
3: had like one or two okay films. Yep, yeah. but Hong Kong Showgirls was god awful. I seriously contemplated suicide watching that movie. That thing was awful. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. Eject VCD <laughs> or suicide suicide suicide. It did. suicide I wanted to fucking snap that VCD in half and slice my wrist because it was, it was rough. <laughs> it was that rough. So, alright, as Lan Kwai Fong uh, Swingers starts, you know, flesh on the screen is a disclaimer and says on behalf of the Lan Kwai Fong filming we would like to express sympathies to the victims and their families for this horrible incident.
0: What?
3: So now I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> so this is read over live footage of monks walking through Lan Fang and praying and chanting and all that, that monk type jazz. So I'm like looking at my fucking V C D and I'm like, Did I get the right movie here? What the hell is this? Shit called real. Oh, right. The, the the cover has Choi Bo Lung and Reno Otomo you know, embracing in, in, in the throes of passion. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? I was expecting like a dirty little category three naughty sex movie. I wasn't expecting a, a true crime film. <laughs> You know, the word swingers is in the title, for gosh's sake, so, you know, where's, where's the group banging, hmm. you know? So uh, the, the ominous music begins to swell, and as the newsreel footage, uh, it ends, another disclaimer pops up on the screen, and it reads, The plot of this film was based on dramatization. We did not intend to recreate the exact scene. So I'm like, I'm like, literally scratching my head, like, what the fuck is going on here? Where are the tits? Where are the boobies? And, no, and, like, and,
0: and did that newsreel footage and stuff look real? It was,
3: was it was it was definite uh newsreel footage. It wasn't right, fake right. Definitely, yeah, so I'm this is this movie's fucking with me, like twenty seconds in.
0: <laughs> so
4: yes, yeah, so I'm, like, I'm it like,
0: sounds like Monty Python and the Holy Grail where, where <laughs> all the credits stop. We we, we sacked the original guys who did the credits. Uh so here we go again. We're gonna try them out again and then they start and then they stop <laughs> <laughs> But that's this is what it was like. So I'm like
3: I was all like perked up on the couch, I'm leaning forward on my sofa. I'm like you know, perplexed. I wanted. To, I was in the mood for some love. You know, I, I have...
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that. And where do you
3: find love? On V City. <laughs> exactly. You know. You know, a movie with the word swingers in the title should have at least one booby on display in the first 20 seconds. You know, where, where the fuck is it? So, <laughs> so the the foreboding music. You know, it, it persists a bit further, and thankfully, it fucking ends and transforms into like this plucky playful category three tune and now you know the, the fun stuff can be, can begin <laughs> so the story of this film it's it's kind of all over the place and the characterizations are lazy and and then questionable and and the characters actions are just it's it's a mess this fucking movie so the, the story is so baffling so I'm not gonna really go into into that much but uh the film is mostly about these three slutty tramps named Lan Kwai and Fong respectively kind and they're mind. loose as a goose morals and partying ways so, in, in favor of going through the shit plot, I'll just, you know, say that this is a beautiful, beautiful mess of a film. And mm-hmm. you know, we, we get off naked slutty girls, um, small-time drug dealers turned amateur category three filmmakers, which is a fucking great scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk of monkey affairs, suicide attempts, relationship nonsense, um, blackmail, black magic. You know, a, a ton Ooh, of like really a case of sex. Really, yeah, it's like a touch of black magic that comes out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, a ton of really dirty sex. And, of course, we get Charlie Cho. So my, my buddy Charlie plays a bisexual in the film. Ooh, he's yeah, a bisexual. That's experimentation again. You got okay. that right. He's a bisexual bar owner uh, in Lan Kuai Fong, and his name is Henry. So uh, I really only think he's bisexual in the film so he can get it on with, you know, both sexes, doubling his chances for, for, for ass. <laughs> So, uh, he also... It's, Star what, funny... off
0: Johnny Toe's punished.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, in, in, the, in the film, he also, like, has a, a a butt-cheek tattoo that says, Kiss me. And it's fucking hilarious. Hilarious. So, uh, after this downbeat and confusing prologue, and, uh, believe me, I'll, I'll bring this, this fucking thing home later on, we arrive in Lan Kwai Fong and follow uh, a feng shui master who is giving a tour of the area to a bunch of interested onlookers and gawkers, and he speaks of Lan Kwai Fong as being haunted. Mm -hmm. And he then predicts that there will be an incident or an accident in the area in one month's time. So, ooh, the fucking spooky foreshadowing, there it is. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: So he warns the people, including a handful of our our main characters, to stay away from Lan Kwai Fong, or else. So, you know, I'm still scratching my head at this point, trying to figure out, what the is this a sex movie or a docudrama? What what, what is this? Mm -hmm. So, uh, as the movie, movie goes on, it, it gets better. It's, it's, it's really good stuff, really good naked stuff. So for no other reason than padding out the story, and uh, the film is 78 minutes long, hmm. so there's not much padding you can really do. So Charlie and his pervy pals, they concoct this half-baked harebrained scheme to shoot a Category 3 film with Lan, Kuan, and Fang to make some extra dough. Sweet. So Charlie, en- <laughs> Charlie enlists an old filmmaking buddy to assist them uh, as his buddy's idea for a film is called Heroes to Whores. Which I think that's a great title. I think they should yeah, make a, a a movie. Yeah, <laughs> that's like that's a wonderful title. So and 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 away we go. So the, these the gaggle of girls, Lan Kuan Fong and uh, and Cho and his pals, they're by the poolside. The camera rolls, and they're they're about to get it on. They're all getting naked. So uh, they're all these big category three stars in the, in the making. And uh, right here we get some some really choice Charlie Cho moments. So Charlie is standing around in his signature tidy whities. He's waiting to be directed by uh, the, the director, and he, he exclaims, Director, I don't want to. And the director asks, Why? So Cho replies back, I seem to have period. It's like this. My dick is bleeding. I made love severely last night. And everyone just begins to roll. Everyone has a fucking hoot. I'm on the floor cracking up.
2: <laughs> he said severely.
3: Uh, it it's hysterical. It's hysterical. So, so then, you know, they all get it on. Joe strips out of his tidy whities and he, re- he reveals his pubes sprouting out around the black cock sock, which is covering what? his cock. And uh, he proceeds to, to simulate doggy style with, with uh, his, his skanky starlick. So it's, it's a ridiculous scene. It's an awesome scene. And these idiots are filming the absolute worst Category 3 film ever. It's, it's
0: terrible. But I you just... think uh, uh, it, uh, it shows that they were sort of Aware that category three moves are terrible sometimes, so they're actually making kind of a you know fun of that back door there or they're, you know
3: it's quite possible well later in the movie that they 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 finally get the finished product and they all sit down to watch it, and the filmmaking is so fucking bad and the the film like actually like almost like burns you know it's so bad, so they're like, "Fuck, you know what, what do we do let's reshoot <laughs> they <Let's laughs> come like and reshoot! <laughs> uh, it's, it's it's wonderful stuff. So uh, there's another really great scene, and uh, these, these dummies go on a camping trip for for whatever reason, and their, their tents are erected, and it's nighttime, and Charlie is, like, splitting his naughty time between uh, these two couples that are paired off, mm. you know, one couple in each tent, and shows and like, the fifth wheel. So he's kind of out of place. So he tries to get on with the first couple, but they kick him out of the tent. So Charlie just, you know, sneaks on over to the other tent looking to wedge himself into, into a three-way. So this couple is going at a doggy style, and you know, our sneaky boy Charlie sneaks up behind the guy, <laughs> drops his tidy whities and plunges his penis right up the guy's backside.
0: Romantic uh, old oh, Charlie. Oh, Charlie.
3: God, God, love, God love him. God love him. So the, the guy shrieks in pain, and I'm, I'm on the floor. I'm off the couch rolling. <laughs> this is just wonderful stuff. So, like I said, this movie doesn't make a lick of sense. Very everyone...
0: plot relevant, it seems like. That no, no, it's uh, camping it, trip. It's, yeah, let's make let's a porn
3: movie. Let's go on a camping trip. Like, wh- what? What for? <laughs> just to have exactly. These... <laughs>
0: that would be my response as well. <laughs> what
3: for? Well like, everyone just looks like they're having a swell time making this shit. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let me let me try and bring this uh, the, the story home. And all of this nonsense culminates in catastrophe, as was uh, led to uh, believe it at, the, at the beginning. So how? So the feng shui master at the beginning, he said, you know, there was, there's going to be, he foreshadowed there's going to be, you know, an incident at Lan Kwai Fong, you know, in one month's time. So now it's New Year's Eve 1992, and we are in Lan Kwai Fong. And all of our characters are partying their asses off, they're drinking, they're dancing, and they're generally having a heck of a time. And we know this because they're all fucking shooting that silly string at each other. So they're having a hoot. <laughs> so that's, the, the silly string is a surefire way to tell your audience that you're having fun. So this party scene is kind of intercut with actual footage of New Year's revelers in Lan Kwai Fong. So the revelers start pushing and shoving, and the party people begin to fall to the ground screaming bloody terror. So people begin to get trampled, and it really begins to hit a, to hit a fever pitch as we are you know, still getting actual footage blasting back and forth with our movie. So, you know, the, the shit is really getting serious as these partiers start getting crushed and stomped by the crowd. So the archive footage, the actual footage of the police carrying off limp bodies amidst the melee plays, Ooh. you know, as, uh, yeah, everyone's screaming and, and, and going nuts. And you see emergency workers administering CPR to victims in need, and these real images are playing back and forth with our characters, you know, being crushed and trampled. And uh, the majority of our characters are, are, are victims in this, uh, in this New Year stampede. And then to further muck up this fucking tragic event at the end of the movie, in one, one of the dick characters that we, that we follow in the film, he's just been trampled near death. And as the emergency workers uh, come to assist him, one of the workers has the fucking balls to say to him, uh, you deserve this as you are too crazy fooling. So <laughs> he, re- he replies, you mean I'll be impotent from now on? And then the camera pans down to his bloody crotch. Uh, and then he starts wailing, oh, I'd rather die, and then he begins to cry, but like not sincere tears, like over-the-top, cartoonish yeah. sobs. It's, it's fucking, it's, it's appalling, and I, still, I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm like, this was just a fuck movie, and now these people are being killed Yeah. You know, in this horrible event. So, you know, now my, my mind is, you know, it's, it's blown. So, you know, like I said, this went, went from a dirty ass flick to a tragedy and a snap, and, you know... And, and there comes our friendly neighborhood feng shui master from the beginning. He's walking amongst the dead, he's like sidestepping them and uh, stepping around them, stepping over them, and he stops at two of our ailing main characters just to put a fucking exclamation point on the tragedy by pretty much saying, "I told you so," and then he fucking walks off. Cut the black credits. <laughs> okay.
0: So, yeah, yeah. Just because. Yeah. Some... So I'm like, this was this was just
3: this was the this, was the wild, this is a wild ride. This is a must see. A must-see. So like, after watching the film, I had hit the internet. I had to do some research. So I needed to see you know, if what I just saw was in fact based on a true story because there's no, no fucking way. Hmm. So I did do a little research, and due to those disclaimers at the, at the beginning of the film, lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, it was based on an actual event. Wow. Well, the, the ending anyway. So, But as per, I got this from Wikipedia, the almighty Wikipedia. So uh, early morning on January 1st, 1993, just after New Year's happened, the, the streets in Lan Kui Fong were, were cramped with partygoers, and unfortunately things got out of hand, and 21 people were killed, and another 48 were injured in a large-scale human stampede while celebrating the new year. Huh. And there was more than 15,000 people were crammed into the area, and the locations, narrow streets, sloped gradient, poor police planning, and bad weather were all contributing factors in this disaster. So back to the beginning where I mentioned these dirtbag filmmakers, mm. these dirty fuckers... Manufactured and fashioned a filthy, dirty sex movie and attached it ever so poorly and in such poor taste to this horrifying tragedy, Wow. ought to capitalize on it and make, and make a, a, a filthy buck. And this is truly exploitation in
0: filmmaking. That is true. It's, it's odd, oddly disturbing. Mind. Yeah, it's blowing my mind. And, and we,
3: you know, with all due respect to the victims and families, this is, you know, this is kind of my disclaimer. I, I fucking love this film. <laughs> this, film was, this film was amazing. It was disturbing, but it was, it was, uh, it was amazing. And I, you and I spoke about this kind of scenario um, during our Dr. Lamb podcast where we, we mentioned you know, the victims and the families and the friends of a horrific event or tragedy. You know, how do they feel about that story being told on, on film? Hmm. And especially in such a film like, like this, it's this like a sex movie, and they just threw this on you know, just haphazardly. You know, this movie is like a slap in the face to those people you know like a f- with a fucking dirty dong yeah, yeah. you know it's it's, te- it, it, it's it's it blows my mind still it still blows my mind
0: it's, it seems so random uh, it's strung together so randomly it's not like it's a crime that you make a horror flick out of here is no. like not at all related elements uh you know a, a different genre to horrific event but events f- fictionalized events that doesn't really belong to that event. Right.
3: Whereas, like Dr. Lamb was, you know, a, a good, a pretty good recreation of the events of that, of that, hor- of the horrible, uh, the crimes. Mm. This was just uh, a made-up, manufactured sex movie, and let's just let's just throw, you know, bookend it with this tragedy. Maybe we'll get mm. s's in seats by that, you know, that way. You know, it, it, it's it's a fucking it's appalling. It's appalling. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's, it's wild. It's wild shit. It's one of the craziest category three films I've ever seen and I, I just love it it's, it's fascinating it's filthy it's disturbing we know tomo has an awesome vibrator scene in it you know charlie cho charlie cho gets his bare ass smacked at one point yeah and i it, it's 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 awesome it's just awesome it's highly recommended i i, I bought this around uh, this past christmas uh-huh. And I've seen it four times since. <laughs> yeah, it's uh... it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I? Have trying to
0: anyone at any point? Would just, would no, no, just, just
3: just 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 the lone gun. That would just just uh-huh. me. Yeah. But I've seen it four times because I've been wanting to do uh, a review of it, and I just I wasn't sure how to go about doing this review. The movie, like the plot, the plot sucks. There's just no way to get you know to to, to go about it. So I, I watched it. You know, the fourth time was a charm, and you know I got the nerve to, to finally. Yeah, to to do this 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 review mm-hmm. uh, of the film, and I haven't seen the film for sale anywhere since I bought it. I bought it off a company called BlueLaser.com, mm-hmm. and that was December. But the site went down in January. Right. So I'm sure you can find it, you know, and download it somewhere. It's well worth it. It's recommended. It's unbelievable, fucking disgusting stuff.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll happily take it on because it does. Uh, uh, s- I don't know, a perverse side of me wants to see messed up things, n- not messed yeah. up real things. Re- reality is kind of disturbing when you bring it in. But so mm. you you know, it seems like you just roll three dice, you know. One dice says real life event, okay. Second dice sex, alrighty. And right. third right. dice cost, I guess. And then yeah. you put that all together and uh, wow. <laughs> it's 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 crazy. It just uh, when I found out that, that it was actual
3: a crime that, that happened. It just blew my mind. I said, how the fuck can these filmmakers do that? That is just, it's appalling. Mm. But, but, but God love them.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good, good times, good times. You, 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 you another <laughs> not-safe-for-work clip of uh, that one sometime, maybe, I don't know. Well, uh, not-safe-for-work yeah. blog, now that you have some words yeah. on air mentioned of it, maybe you can... Uh,
3: I can try, s- I can de- definitely try. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> it's a nice cap to uh to uh you know we we we've done uh, extensive uh, time traveling all throughout this podcast you know 60s and 80s and now 90s so and that's what we're doing here at this week in uh kind of so next time around uh i am uh, pretty certain we will be returning to the 90s because i don't think you and i or or our audience uh would like to be stuck in the 60s and 70s and on, on right, loads, right. all throughout the series. so next time my my proposal is said to uh start our epic uh, rape by an angel coverage mm-hmm. which is uh let's say one two three four five five s- six movies because there are two rape by an angel fives <laughs> yeah yeah so six movies in uh in, in actuality if we if, if we can find the second fifth movie i have it right is it subtitled you know that no it's unsub- shot on a video unsubbed all right well yeah <laughs> it's unrelated yeah but uh it, it'll be good to bring those up because one was made uh during the heyday of category 3 filmmaking the others were not and the others except for the second fifth one were not category 3 either mm. fancy that that is uh quite notable but uh yeah, i think that's gonna be fun and uh certainly one of the most iconic uh exploitation like, uh, titles out there, uh, you right. know, it, it is a Wong Jing production after all, and possibly one of the m- only three tolerable Andrew Lau movies ever made. <laughs> you know, there's <laughs> To Live and Die in Sin Chatsui. Yeah, that's my favorite, yeah. And, uh, possibly another one I can't think of now, but, uh, the director of Storm Riders, uh, well, well no, Infernal okay. Affairs, obviously, but that was co-directed, but... Uh, sure, sure. Uh, so, definitely not Lover of the Last Empress. I have no desire to do a, a, a huge special on that one. No,
3: we mentioned that briefly, but, you know, yeah. so we'll, we'll let that go, we'll let that slide.
0: Only one good scene in that one, and uh, I yeah. had that on YouTube anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> so, that's happening next up, and uh, we're gonna... And the show really really soon but uh, again this is this week in Sleaze on the podcast on fire network located at podcastonfire.com and you also have the forum where you can interact with all of us too me king and all of our wonderful wonderful forum members so uh, friendly forum members it's podcastonfire.com forward slash forum I'm on Twitter, I'm the writer of sogoodreviews.com, so I'm on Twitter as well, twitter.com forward slash sogoodreviews, the Twitter for the podcast on fire network is twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire, also should give a mention to Facebook, we have a page Mm -hmm. there, so if you go to facebook.com, you type in podcast on fire network in the search box, so join up the page and uh, look for the updates. And finally, my video review site that I didn't mention before is leasykvideo.com where you can find the video reviews of the ongoing series of uh, IFD movies I'm covering and other Category 3-esque movies uh, coming up in the next few weeks. So that'll be fun. And where's your blog at King? My blog, Bullets
3: Over Chinatown, is at in the mood for Guilo, again spelled G W A I L O, and it's Hong Kong film junk and other
0: nonsense from me. Food and LDs.
3: <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, lately, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And, um, yeah. I've been watching haven't...
3: a lot of uh, old school stuff since I got those laser, laser discs. I've you know, revisiting all the, uh, the, the goodies. Yeah. It's yeah, seems so like I, uh, w-
0: Christmas, definitely.
3: Oh man, yeah, it's it's awesome. And I wanted to apologize to you about um on our Stex and Zen special, we briefly uh-huh. spoke of Robotrix, Tricks. And and uh-huh. Robo and you asked, you know, how it was it? And I said, eh, "It's it's not, you know, not memorable or something like that. I kind of downplayed it. Well, I rewatched Robo Tricks recently and I'm a fucking idiot. I'm a I'm a, I'm wrong. I'm a loser. You're you're a dick. But, but, I'm, a fu- I'm a I'm I'm a, king, 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 who's a
0: dick. king who is a dick. King is a dick. Yeah. You have I've been living that with list. that anger and that resentment ever since our <laughs> Sex and Sand <laughs> episode, and finally you come out, and do put the robot right tricks thing. on the
3: top of your queue, because I didn't realize I I'd forgotten that it was so violent. Cool. It was so fucking violent, yeah. And I yeah, it was it was. I forgot all about it.
0: Yeah, Jamie it. Jamie Look is a bit of a directorial hero. It should be for a lot more people. I think he directed the Robotrix. Uh, good old Jamie. Yeah, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, and, and uh, wow, and uh, despite the yip tease going on in that movie, no, still, you get uh, enough. Awesome.
3: Yeah, you get enough of uh, uh, dirty action in the movie. Definitely, definitely. I, I just, it was so violent, so violent. And I, this would make a good movie, a uh, good double bill um, with um, Escape from Brothel. Because uh, Robotrix has Billy Chow and so does Escape from Brothel and Billy Chow is a fucking dirtbag in Robotrix. <laughs> he oh. is just a violent son of a bitch. Just like in Escape from Brothel, it would be just an awesome double bill.
0: Consider that a uh, This Week in Sleaze future podcast then. Oh, uh, that would be awesome, yeah. Ma- ma- maybe that's what we'll do Like when we do like random choices, favorite choices, you know, the This Week in Sleaze double bill. Yeah, oh, uh, that would be we pretty we good. Just, because
3: that, we just created a show.
0: Yeah, because uh, it's essentially just talking of a movie, so you know. Come up with something good connected to Rock on Fire. You know, find another movie with Stuart Ong where there's necrophilia where he does something <laughs> fucking nasty. Stuart Ong double nasty. Oh, yeah. that'd be yes. awesome, yeah. So uh, you'll have fun listeners in the future despite us going back to Shaw Brothers and uh, going forward to the 90s and back and forth, and back and forth, back and forth. But It's all good fun. So thank you very much for listening. I love the feedback we're getting. I'm so, so thankful that you take the time to... To acknowledge, uh, to acknowledge that, and uh, that. S- that you listen to these kind of epic shows. Um, so, thank you very much. And, and
3: I, I think of uh, a, a shout out to to uh, Doctor Lamb, David Lamb, who has done some wonderful artwork for for Ken and I.
0: Doodle-meister. and uh, oh, it's
3: fucking great, man. He's
0: D- ad- David. Don't be afraid to uh, to make us look even worse than we already have looked. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I have no shame. Uh, you know, you don't need to go any do any illegal. <laughs> illegal. No, actions I don't want any drawings, like but, goats uh, and shit
3: in there. But <laughs> no. Wow. Well, <laughs> well uh, maybe, maybe uh, that that uh, could that, that uh, could be yeah,
0: interesting. Yeah. Debatable. No, just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: So I just I just incidentally got a got a doodle from David. I'll send it on to you, Ken. It's it's pretty cool. fucking awesome. Yeah.
0: So uh, we uh, we we will throw up some. Uh, uh, the link to Dave's blog obviously in yeah. uh, his doodle blog uh, uh, if he's put uh, these doodles on his blog I'm not sure but still uh, we, we got a link to his doodle blog and you'll find that in the podcast post all the relevant links that we uh, touched upon in this podcast you'll find those in the podcast post on podcast.fi.com so thanks again this has been this week in Sleaze and this is Lisa K signing off and I'm King Hu see you next time later back.